All right, welcome to the Axiom Podcast. This is episode 64. My name is Cameron Earhart. I'm very excited about today. Let me start by introducing who we have with Axiom here. We have Devin Dash. Hello, everyone. We have Joey Brannon. Good afternoon. The normal host, so I'm sorry that I, you have to deal You're with me today. actually doing better. Uh, our post-production person didn't kill you the first two times you hosted. There, there wasn't too much work, I guess, after the fact. <laughs> Let's see if third time's a charm. <laughs> but I'm super excited because today we have Mike Thackeray, CEO of Vine IT. Mike, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but I just want to say I am one of Mike's biggest fans. He is the most genuine real guy you will ever meet um mike and i we've known each other for a couple years now actually i love telling this story because looking back it's just ironic we were the first time we really got to know each other actually i think it was the first time we met we were sitting down in a mexican restaurant and we look up at the tv we're having lunch and uh news flash news breaking news everywhere covid is shutting down the nation the ncaa tournament is being canceled just a chaos all around us and me and you are sharing community chips and salsa high-fiving people as they go by <laughs> no idea what's going on that was first time we met, but that is a fact i'll never forget it yeah but it's been awesome just getting to know you over these last couple of years so why don't we start give us just a overview of who you are and and what you do and we'll go from there yeah thanks man thanks for having me guys it's awesome um it's been great i'm glad to meet devin today too because just meeting your team and just everyone here is so genuine the same thanks for the compliments uh my mom thanks you as well <laughs> uh, she made she me. did good she made me yeah she did it um but yeah no so mike Dacker, i'm born and raised in st pete you know i'm a local guy and um i i've uh always had a kind of a drive and a passion and all that drive and a passion went through sports growing up and um, I can't tell you how many times my teachers told my parents and I'm sitting next to him like Mike's got all this potential. He's got all this potential. If he would just apply himself like he does on the field in the classroom, like he would actually be successful. He would actually pass. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I always say I got by in school on, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Good looks and personality or at least one of them, you know, just show up and shake hands. And um, but. Uh, so, I, you know, it's cool because, I, I, you know, this being a business podcast as well, you know, I, it, the reason I mentioned that, that drive, I finally found a place to place it yeah. in life. Um, and it wasn't the classroom, unfortunately, but fortunately, it is <laughs> business. So um, I own a, a local IT firm, Vine IT. You yep. know, uh, we do IT and cybersecurity for small business. And, uh, man, we're growing. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's a super cool, uh, you know, su super cool opportunity. Uh, to apply that drive and apply what I've learned in the last decade. Yeah, that's awesome. So we definitely want to hear more about Vine IT, um, about Open Mic, which is uh, a little uh, sneak peek. That's uh, Mike's podcast for small business owners as well. So if you're listening, make sure, go check it out. Subscribe to Open Mic. That's M-I-K-E, openmic.com. But Mike, tell us more. Um, this is, Vine IT is really your second business that you're CEO of. Tell us about the first one, Fieldstone, just what went into that you started that from scratch tell us that story absolutely man so um so i was uh, like i said not the best student so i was a junior college dropout i always say i, I focused uh, my main focus in school was girls and baseball and i was good at both <laughs> found a girl stopped playing baseball but um i had dropped out of junior college i was parking cars at the vinoy it's a four-star hotel downtown st pete and um i got married you know i'm 23 years old 22 23 years old and I'm parking cars on the third shift. Um, it's like four o'clock in the morning. I'm reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You guys ever yeah. read that? Yeah, Kawasaki. Yeah, really, really. I, the first book I ever read multiple times. I read it like four or five times. And uh, 
I was so inspired by it. And I'm like, I know I can do something greater. I know I can do something greater. So, so I quit my job parking cars and I went and I told my wife that I consult, I talked to her beforehand, but, <laughs> but, um, but no, but I, I quit my job and she goes, what are you going to do? I said, I, I don't know, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to own something. I always wanted to be a business owner. Um, at the time entrepreneur wasn't a word and now it's like a sexy buzzword, <laughs> but at the time it was, I just wanted to be a business owner and I, and, um, fast forward, man, I started cutting grass, man. I bought a mower and a, and a, Started knocking on doors in 06. Wait, I'm sorry. I have to stop you. Tell tell everyone how much money you had in your bank account and what you, yeah. because this part is just like yeah, it's the sacrifice of your wife. Yeah. <laughs> like we yeah. we got to highlight yeah. that. Yeah. My wife is my best friend and she holds the string to my balloon. I would be gone. <laughs> uh, but I would say everyone says, not everyone says, I tend to be a little on the crazy side, not crazy risk, but I take more risks than the average than most people I know. Um, but really she's the one taking the risk because so i always say my first sale my first sale was her we had three thousand dollars in the bank and my wife is super conservative fiscally conservative and risk averse and i convinced her to spend three grand on an old beat up used mower an old beat up trailer et cetera et cetera et cetera and i had no accounts i just started knocking on doors and calling people i went in my phone i said i'm going to call every single phone number in here even if i haven't talked to them in 10 years on the little snake Nokia phone. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to call everyone. and I'm going to tell them I'm cutting grass. Can I cut your grass? Your neighbors, your grandmothers, you know, um, that was the goal. So, so that kick started us. I, I, within that first year, I met a friend, Chris Eastman. We went to high school together and, uh, he had, you know, our, our story together is cool because he was on top of the real estate game and he went to the bottom. Um, everything dropped out and started dropping out and he saw it falling and he lost all these homes and I said, Hey man, I'm on the bottom too. <laughs> you want to cut grass? <laughs> uh, honestly, it was ha happened at a Starbucks. And, um, so yeah, so we started Fieldstone is the name of the company, Fieldstone Landscape Services. And we just started cutting grass and cutting more grass and cutting more grass. And we went through a process, like a decade process of learning everything that you guys teach people, not everything, a quarter of what you guys teach people. <laughs> and we learned it the hard way. Um, we just went and went and went and we got couple of awards um you know the fast 50 we were a fast growing company for the tampa Bay business journal got that a couple of years in a row uh, the third year we didn't apply because it was so painful how fast we were growing and we just weren't ready for it so um yeah and i you know before i exited we were about 100 employees so so it was good it was just me and him and and built it up and uh, it was i would call it a success for sure when, I, when you uh when you were in those early days um you know, you learned a lot of things, like you said, from experience, which we all means like making mistakes and saying, I'm never going to do that again. Like, what were some of the early mistakes mm. you made uh, and that you kind of said, that, OK, we, we can't keep doing that? Yeah. Um, the one blaring one that comes to mind because we lost thirty thousand dollars from this. I, I, that number sticks in my head for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, you know, this was at a time where our revenues were probably just right around a million dollars in sales. And. Um, we did not have a purchase order system, but we had employees purchasing things. So purchase order system sounds super boring. I, I, I don't want to make one. I don't want to use one, to be honest with you. But if someone else is spending my money, um, they need to be tracked and have accountability. The reason that's uh, important is uh, I, I, one of the, our employees who was doing purchasing actually got hooked on drugs. And God bless him, man. He's a good kid. I've, he's apologized, and we've hugged it out since. And no hard feelings, but he, uh, he was pawning 
he was buying these like brass fittings brand new and taking them driving straight you know buy two thousand dollars worth drive straight to the scrapyard scrap them and go buy drugs Mm. and that happened for like 90 days and uh you know again i'm not a systems guy i don't develop systems but i see the value in them so that cost us 30 grand right around 30 grand that is a glaring one (laughs) (laughs) for sure the 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 mistakes that um you know, like that, that kind of hits you in the pocketbook or, mm-hmm. or you find something out and it's kind of obvious, like, whoa, we've got a problem here. We need to fix it. Uh, that, that's kind of one category. Uh, there's like this whole other category of mistakes where you're like doing stuff and you may not know that what you're doing is mm-hmm. not the right thing to do. And somebody, whether it's your wife or mm-hmm. your CPA or, you know, your your mentor uncle who's run a business like pulls you aside and is like, hey, like this is not going to work out well for you. Did you have any of those experiences in the early days? Um, yeah, that, uh, yeah, absolutely. So a good friend, I'll name him, Jesse Wirt, and I appreciate him. He was a friend uh, we met at, at church years ago, and I hired him. He was running our office. And um, there was one point where I was trying to do really good. This is gently embarrassing, but I was trying to do really good, and I was doing – I was going out in front of the, I was trying to be the face of the company internally. And I, I, at my heart, I was trying to uh, put together programs and go out and like we were doing awards and we would record the, go figure me on camera, right? Oh no, that never happens. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I was record, we were recording me going out and giving um, uh, like prizes to employee of the month and stuff like that. And the intentions were really good. But he called me, I was on the Veterans Expressway, and he's like, Mike, I, I know you're a good guy and I know what you're trying to do, but it looks like you're making this all about you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I honestly didn't say anything. Like, I was just like, thank you, you know, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's all about a good friend, right? Sure. You know, uh, being willing to say that to his friend, his boss, owner of the company, and, um, you know, so... I learned a lot from that. Yeah. Now I check everything I'm doing and whether it, it not, whether it is about me, that's first thing, but is it look like it's only about me? Yeah. Uh, so, mm. so I mean that, so Jesse, um, obviously a guy that, that you knew well, or a guy that just cared enough about you, you know, to say that, mm-hmm. but, uh, what do you do to make sure that you always have Jesse's? I mean, have you found, yeah. do, do you have people that you kind of, <coughs> make it their explicit responsibility like hey you're supposed to call me out or how have you cultivated yeah. that over the years yeah at, at the time i think it was that was um well i'll, I'll say this i i recognize that m- my uh i say this lightly or but my success in business is highly dependent upon the success of my my team and my leadership team you know we when we have conversations you guys are always talking about starting with the leadership team um and for me building that core group around me which i'm currently doing right now it's interesting because i mean this is my number one priority um on a macro scale right now is building the core team that is going to grow vine it to go to the next level and the only way to do that is to surround myself with people that i trust um surround myself with people that i can build trust in you know we can we can build that but i think setting the example as well you know everyone says i have i mean how many times you've heard like open door policy you know open door policy but if you genuinely um genuinely care for people and you genuinely um set an example of that open door and not a literal door but an actual proverbial door 
in terms of accepting those things, you know, even publicly, I would even say uh, uh, publicly, like, you know, not running every meeting, you know, there was a day, man, I remember, let's keep talking about failures, man. I, go on. <laughs> so I remember, I remember like prepping for, this is why now I'm so meeting averse, even though I, I know they're important for communication, but I'm like, man, I remember preparing for these meetings and I'm a verbal guy and I'm excited. And I love public speaking. And I'm like, I'm like, here we go. And I just knocked it out of the park. Like I was like, look at that. Like <laughs> that was mic drop, like meeting. I was the only one that spoke. And then at the end, I'm like, and what do you think? Right. right. Um, that was the opposite. That was the opposite uh, um, of what we're talking about there, you know? And, and I think, uh, learning that now it's like, no, this is not me. This is we, like, yeah. we're going to build this, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a confrontation, you know, a healthy confrontation, all that, just setting the example, listening, yeah. you know? Yeah. Listening, uh, you know, when you, the worst thing you can do is like shoot the messenger because then yeah. they all like scatter, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, I've, I was telling these guys on our Monday or was Wednesday call, I guess this week because of the holiday. Um, you know, I had a one-on-one -on -one with one of our colleagues, who's our our firm admin, and she kind of gently took me to task for some things. Mm -hmm. Basically, spending my time in areas that she doesn't see are paying off. Like, there's no return on this investment. How much longer are you willing to do this? Because I got other things that I think you should be doing. You yeah. know, and I was like, that was. I mean, I was, was taking the call uh, at home. I was working from home that afternoon. And uh, I remember, like, getting off. It was at the end of the day and, like, getting off the call and just being like, that kind of stung a little bit, yeah. right? But being at the same time, I'm like, and I'm glad she was comfortable enough to just say it like it is, yeah. right? Absolutely. And I would say, like, kind of a practical uh, how-to uh, in that for what I do is I always say, you don't know what's going on in here and in my, in my chest or in my head, right? My heart and my head. Uh, on the outside in that situation, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, I want to defend myself right now. I want to like, I'm, I'm mad and I'm sad and I'm beat and I'm heartbroken right. and all these little microseconds. I'm like the best thing I can do there is be quiet. Honestly. Right. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. takes a high level of humility. We were just talking about this at lunch, how destructive pride is, especially mm -hmm. to a company when the CEO has so much pride that they can't take that type of constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So when you're when you guys were starting Fieldstone and this journey from uh, Starbucks and hey we're both at the bottom and let's go cut grass uh, to you know widely recognized as a, as a leading company in Tampa Bay, 100 employees, what were some of the things that you had to to get good at? Um, you know, not not to keep harping on the failures, but mm. like those where we that's where we kind of learn. Uh, what the next big skill we're going to have to develop is. So what, what were some of the things that you had to develop skill-wise that you didn't start with and you just had to figure it out? Mm. Yeah, um, I like harping on the failures. Failure is my <laughs> friend. I always say failure is my friend. I, I, it's, it's the best learning tool. It's painful, but it's a great learning tool. I hope you guys fail so I can learn from it. <laughs> <laughs> Micro Thank fail. You. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> mm. Just kidding. Blessings. So, um, uh, you know, the things we had to get good at, um, I mean, communication was number one. I, I, I was, I was, again, I'm a talker. I had no problem just going and going and going, but learning how to effectively communicate to people. I'm still, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm a, um, like I just turned, what is it, a teenager. I feel like I just turned 13, <laughs> like or a teenager, 12, 13 <clears throat> in this 
space. Like I'm learning even just disc profiles and how people receive things and love languages and all that. So if I go back to the infant stages when I didn't even think about that, I'm like, why is it, why aren't these things effective? So I've said, you know, 10, 15, 20 times, like I've said it over and over and it's not, they're not, you know, my team is not doing what I'm saying or they're not, you know, acting and and maybe it's a a function of of task but even like there was a time when we had a a, in our culture we had a bit of a cancer in our culture and there was there was too much whispering and i was like stop whispering stop whispering stop whispering and 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 uh it they weren't receiving it right they weren't receiving it what i in retrospect i probably needed to go to individuals or to small groups and to listen and ask questions and then move but i was just out front go 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 so i think communication and how to effectively communicate the other thing was um we did a lot of we could sell our socks off man we were chris and i both were like let's go we'll sell some you know we'll we'll sell it let's go so that was never an issue but then we'd come back and go with the sale and go, what do we do now? Who's going to do Who's going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> and and <clears throat> we weren't afraid of work. We worked hard. But there was a point where you can't do everything. I mean, yeah. um, and we're handing it off to people. And how are we communicating it? Uh, we tried, or I'll say I tried, to act in that weakness for a period of time. Uh, that weakness led to acting in my weakness of operations, organization, um, you know, how to communicate, logistics, all that. Th- it led to major, not major, lots of failures. Um, but the lesson I learned was not how to, it was not to do that anymore, not to act in that weakness. So to re- look for people and recruit people and build the team, honestly, and take the risk of bringing on someone that's a, you know, a little, you know, little more costly, but has that experience, bring them in. And, and, and that, imp- that understanding, surrounding myself with people that knew more than I, Big time, big realization for yeah. me. So. One of our uh, our colleagues actually in this building, it's a business that uh, we know well. They're good friends of ours. They talk a lot about mistakes happen at the intersections. You know, and they're kind of talking about their workflow model and they process payroll. So you got all these different systems talking to different systems, and like the 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 errors and the mistakes happen when this system's trying to talk to that system. And it kind of reminds me of what you're just saying with communication. Like the, you would go out and sell something and then you'd have to bring it back to somebody who's going to do it. Yeah. But there's this handoff that has mm-hmm. to take place where you have to communicate what was sold and how it needs to get done and whatever the, whatever the conversations were that they weren't privy to during the relationship building process and the sale. Now they really need to know that stuff. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're not going to deliver on what you've promised the customer. And we spend a lot of our time with clients talking about those handoffs. So what are some of the things at Fieldstone or at Vine – that um, you found work well tool-wise to help facilitate that handoff and make sure that that all of the bits and pieces I'm trying to communicate and all the responsibility now that I'm trying to hand off to the next person actually makes it and gets received well. Excuse me. Um, You you know, I'll go with what's top of mind currently at Vine IT I'm trying to to implement now um, is leveraging technology. I mean, we have a CRM called ConnectWise, and it's our ticketing system. It's our um, our CRM. Uh, it's going to be our marketing channel, such as um, competing with like Mailchimp. Um, and when it's fully integrated, and we're in the process of integrating, when it's fully integrated, um, there's a lot of automation, like tons of automation. 
uh, where you put it in, you put in good information first, you put in bad, you get out bad, but you put in good information first and there's a whole workflow that they've already developed and you can tweak and you can, you know, um, and I, we didn't do that. We were paper, you know, um, word docs and that's okay. That's fine. But I, to me nowadays, there's no excuse not to leverage technology From, it is a communication tool. It's a, you know, it's a document storage tool. So you don't have to remember things. So therefore you you can, you can communicate things accurately in the future. Um, but, but really that, that's the biggest glaring thing. I'm implementing that currently right now. We've been using ConnectWise on the operations side, but now that we're building out the sales team, now the sales team, we actually have a sales team now. So the sales team has to communicate. And I always say sales team, I will, I hold us more accountable than anyone. I'm like, we cannot hand them a pile of junk, right? We can't hand operations a pile of junk. And that, that technology has helped me a lot um, in terms of that communication. So in terms of working with these guys, um, and you know, I think one of the things that we've talked about with clients before is like pig-headed persistence. You know, mm -hmm. like if, if I want you to do a thing and you don't want to do it, it can feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. But if I'm willing to bang my head against the wall one more time than you are, then we're going to do it my way, right? So mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know if it comes down to that or if you found more elegant or more influential or more inspirational ways to get people to be accountable to a process to put good mm -hmm. information in the system to fill out every field they're supposed to fill out like where have you found things that worked and didn't work when it comes to getting people to put good info in yeah um probably a weakness for me to be honest like i'm not i'm, I'm in process i'm you're, you're in my head right now i'm trying to figure out how i'm going to do that gotcha. because i'm building i have a team of 10 and i'm going to build that team larger you know and we're going to scale that larger so we are currently uh, today. I sat with Taylor, who's straight out of college, you know, marketing assistant and business development development assistant, and everything. We're, we're actually toying with Teams right now. Microsoft Teams. We use 365, and we are beta testing just between me and him. We're beta testing, going to build a system, a communication system for 411s, not 911s, right? Not high level information. We're looking for 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 uh, high level of. Uh, we don't want to take each other off of focus by coming to each other's desk all day. Right. That's, that's the intent. But I told Taylor, I said, listen, we're not just making a system for me and you. We're making a system for 100 employees, for 150, for 30, for 20. Um, um, so I'm literally right in the middle of, okay, how to, you know, how are we going to hold people accountable? But I, I will say that I, um, I'm a big fan, and maybe I give too much leeway, but I'm a big fan of trying to, to ask questions and listen, because if you own it, if I ask you what is the best way for you to X, Y, Z, to accomplish this, to, to consistently do X, Y, and Z, um, the odds of you doing it, in my experience, are a lot higher than if I just say, here's the system, do it. Right. So if I could build a system that's 80%, 80% here's the system, and 20% own it, mm -hmm. make it, make it your own, you know, in a perfect world, that, yeah. would, that would be ideal. Let's call that in progress, though. <laughs> Let's call it in progress. Yeah, and so that I think that mindset is so important. You're you're building it now with ten people, but you're you're really building it for a hundred people. Mm -hmm. You have this vision in your mind of where you want to take the company, and so you're building stuff now that is going to scale when you get to that point. I think that's what so many entrepreneurs, small business yeah. owners, don't yeah. think about 
uh, when they're building stuff out. Was that your mindset when you were starting Fieldstone or did you have a vision in place of like, I know where I want to take this and, or was it just, I'm just going to grind and try to put food on the table? Yeah, it was both because the grind and put food on the table was uh, necessary the first two years. We didn't get paid. Uh, I, I, we probably got a total of like $18,000. I think it was the number, let's call it 20 grand or so or less the first couple of years. It was just like whatever we could do. And we had employees making, you know, full-time pay and all that. But we're, um, the, but I actually did. I remember, I remember the exact office. I was sitting with Jeffrey. He was our office manager at the time. All these office managers. Um, we didn't have a bunch, I promise. No turnovers. Um, <clears throat> I remember sitting with Jeffrey and we were building a system. He was building a system. And I don't remember what it was, but I told him, I said, remember, you're not building it. And at the time we probably had 30 employees. We're not building this for 30. We're building it for 300 or 3,000. I don't know where that came from. I have no clue. I've always thought that way. Now, I will say the implementation of that, and that's where I value guys like you because the implementation is where, where it gets difficult. Like the concept, I can speak of the concept and preach it all day. Um, I think the first time Cameron and I talked about consulting, I said, consulting ooh, right? <laughs> you guys make, said, i hate consultants yeah. <laughs> i don't actually hate them but you know what i mean yeah, yeah. no but 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 let me expand on it and i i said consultants typically don't come in no i don't say typically my perception of them was and many entrepreneurs was that they they come in they tell you what to do they give you a piece of paper and they leave and and immediately it started a great conversation of how you guys become a partner and you guys stay with the, the entrepreneur you stay with for actual implementation, um, you know, dealing or not dealing with that, too. But, you know, <laughs> speaking to the leadership team, being in those leadership meetings to me, that's the only way to do it. And it's awesome that you guys do that. It's super value add for guys like me. Well, it's funny that um, I mean, you're you're a natural visionary. We were talking about this before we started recording, you know, and um recognizing where you're really strong and then the areas where you need another person to come alongside you and be the implementation person. I'll be the visionary to be the implementation. Uh, and it's funny, like you see the world through that lens and like consultants are the ones who help implement, but there are other clients who are natural implementers and don't have a visionary. And we're coming to them being like, you got to come up with a vision. Like this business doesn't have a vision. And you got all these people who, who want to give their heart and soul to you, but they don't know where, where we're all going. And so it's you know, I tough. Think pushing, pushing business owners in the direction they're least likely to gravitate to. You gravitate toward vision. Others are going to gravitate toward implementation. So it's our job to kind of push them out of the box they're comfortable in or get them get somebody yeah. to come alongside them that yeah. will complement those those areas. When um, when you were talking about or thinking about vision, to what extent did you find um that you wanted to like share that with everybody to what extent were you like, I've got to kind of protect this cause I don't want people to shoot down my dream. And mm. I know I'm susceptible to criticism. Like where do you strike the balance between shout from the mountaintop versus, I don't know, people are just going to tell me I'm crazy and that's not going to help me, you know, stay the course. Yeah. And early on, like in the Fieldstone days in the first, the first go at it. I call it the school of Fieldstone, by the way, not, not the business, <laughs> but like the school. Um, so it, I was, I, I, I feel like I spoke it and our, our words are very powerful. And I think our subconscious is very powerful. And, um, and I s spoke it on a regular basis. Uh, my partner as well, Chris as well. We spoke the vision and it, it's funny because it, it would evolve. 
uh, because we were figuring out what it was as we were speaking it. I tend to be a verbal processor, so that's it was kind of my way of figuring out what are we doing mm -hmm. with this. Um, it, m not the most mature way to do it, but it worked, you know. Um, including when we were recruiting people, I, I'm like the we were the best and the worst interviewers. Right, we interview someone to come on our team ever, and I, I say the best because we could get anyone. We were convincing them like You're good salesman. <laughs> yes, we were convinced. They're like, yeah. we would just pitch them on our vision and on our dream. And they're like, oh, my goodness, I'm texting my wife or my husband. I'm quitting my job now. Like I'm coming here. I'm like, wait a second. We are skipping this. We are. We got to stop interviewing people. <laughs> so we need, someone else uh, needs to do this. Um, but the, but striking the balance, um, I guess. Well, let me let me let me actually that's a real good uh, thing. The other side of the coin of that is when I came to Vine IT, I bought Vine and there was an existing team in place, an existing culture in place. Um, the previous CEO, um, who, who was a friend of mine from years back, the f previous CEO um, uh, had vision and and spoke of it and none of it came. A lot of it didn't come true. It didn't happen. Right. It just didn't work. So our existing team and I knew this that our existing team had, um, I don't want to say they were scarred, but they were, they, were, they were reluctant to listen to anyone's vision because of the, why would I listen to you? It never comes true anyways, no matter who you are. So I was very intentional, and I think this helped me um, to, to learn a different way to, to communicate vision. I was very intentional about being quiet. I didn't speak about anything. The first year and a half, I didn't speak about anything unless it happened. Right. So I didn't speak about um, I just got a lead or a sales meeting or a potential opportunity for marketing or I met a great referral source in Cameron. I didn't speak about that. I when we got a client, I said, hey, we got a commitment. We got a client. Right. Or we got a, a lead from the referral source. And this is how we it led up. Um, and so that that put me in a position to act first and speak later, which is not like me. And I think it was healthy. Honestly, I think it was really healthy and it really got my team to um, to believe in me, honestly. And now I will say now it is time right now. It's time to start speaking. It's it's we're in a phase right now where I'm we're surrounding ourselves, you know, building a leadership team, getting st structure around our meetings, getting structure around our, our, our getting our vision on paper, getting our strate strategic plan on paper. Um, so it's a unique, it's a different way to do it. And yeah. I like this way better. Well, I think there's a lot of wisdom in you first recognizing that there were some you know, scars from the past Definitely. and, and were. that you needed to build up a certain amount of credibility mm -hmm. as somebody who could deliver before you started making promises. Right. And you know, I think we, we, we see um, situations where there might not be scars from the past, um, but the CEO, like visionary can be used as a derogatory term too. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, he's a visionary, you know, like, and there's a head in the clouds. Yeah. There's yeah. A, a new idea every two months, you know, yeah. or a new product, new location, new business model, new pricing strategy. And the team, you know, all of these things take way longer than two months to really flesh out and do well and eventually, you know, run to ground and mm -hmm. execute. But the team's never really given an opportunity to work on it that long before the next, you know, great idea hand grenade lands in the conference room and they're yeah. left to pick up the pieces. Yeah. Eventually what we find is that they just become tone deaf. 
So the CEO comes back from a conference with the next great idea, and they're like, yeah, yeah, when he leaves the room, it's like, <laughs> yeah. just don't worry, new person. This is all going to pass. Yep. You know, Just put your head down. Act like you know when they ask for a status update, tell them you'll get it to them in two weeks because by then they will have moved on to something yep. else. Right? And I, I can validate that. You're, you're describing my past. You're describing <laughs> me. I, we would go to a, to a convention or we'd have a meeting and um, – uh, you know, I always talk about Dorian, rest her soul. She passed uh, two years ago, and she was uh, our controller. She was, she was, she ran the show, and we'd come in from so from a meeting or something, and we'd be like, "We have an idea," and she'd go, "No," <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then she'd go, "Keep explaining." You know, like she's like, "I start with no with you guys, and then you you try and convince me, and and we're good." But um, yeah, but and my go and I will tell you, my goal, the one thing I, I I can't stand, my biggest fear in life biggest fear in life is leaving things leaving something on the table like i, I want to make sure you guys know everybody knows how what i appreciate about you that i love you and that you're loved and that god loves you and like i i want to uh leave everything on the literal and proverbial football field or whatever <laughs> field field of business um and so i look back at a decade of learning the hard way i'm still learning massively and learning the hard way. I love being 39 because I actually have a history to look back on. Like I didn't have a history. There was no, um, you know, and, and my parents, my dad's a great guy and awesome, awesome instilled integrity in me and honesty and the important core values. But he didn't teach me how to grow a business, you know. Um, so when I listen and like when I listen to you all talk about your experiences and your, your knowledge, man, I'm not going to leave it. Like it is not going in one ear and out the other. And I wish more people would do that, but I can only control myself. This next go around and I am so committed to doing it yeah, the, just, ac the axiom way. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. And just to speak into that, I, there was it was a couple of months back and I'm a. I'm an extroverted introvert. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I draw my energy from being with people and from being alone. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a day where I had gone to five meetings in a row mm -hmm. and I was spent. And the last meeting was introducing you to a potential client prospect. And I was just, I was out of it. Terror, like for myself, I was not myself. And I left that meeting. I said goodbye to you guys and went home. And 15 minutes later, I get a call from Mike. <laughs> and or I can't remember when, but mm -hmm. shortly after I get a call from Mike and I go, Hey, what's up, man? It's like, Hey, uh, so I just noticed, uh, you seemed a little off in the meeting. So I just wanted to call and check in and see how you're doing. How's everything going? I was like, bro, you are awesome. Like that. <laughs> that's my homie, man. Yeah, like, right? That is so cool. Yeah. Like right, just, cool. yeah. And that's, that's what you're talking about. You know, being, um, like really being invested, being fully in, yeah. not being one foot in, one foot out kind of guy. Yeah. And I love that. Um, but that transitions to the next question I have for you. How that, that moment when you realized I'm ready to step away from Fieldstone, like what was that moment? How did you realize that? It, explain just kind of what happened there. Yeah, that was a, it was a process. It wasn't a moment. It was a, pro well, you know, it was a process. So it was a couple of year process. Um, what I realized was that we built a machine it wasn't perfect um I, I enjoyed the journey like the the growth journey I, I i'm not a big fan of i'm not a big fan of maintenance i still brush my teeth but i don't like maintenance <laughs> you know i'd rather just like go every once in a while and get them cleaned like uh, <laughs> but but uh so i feel like I, I i did i got it up to where it was and it was i kind of worked myself out of a job um could i have stayed there and um, 
I could have applied my talent and, and could have could have uh, applied you know added value but I found myself not the best version of myself I was bored I did not have a, um, a, a clear purpose um, and, and I could have dug it out I could have dug it up and said to my partner hey man I'm looking for it here what should I do you know uh, what do you think I could have worked on that but I felt like um, I needed a refresh I needed a new challenge um, it was it was very I was very prayerful about it my wife was a big part of it my mentors um and you know kind of my personal advisors if you will and um and then finally i just i just once i knew i just pulled the trigger i just said man i said it's not you it's me man i gotta go <laughs> it, it, honestly not being the best version of myself i wasn't challenged like i you know we're not good when we're comfortable man yeah. we grow when we're challenged you know that's that's just the truth and so i sure as heck got a challenge so. how, how many years later was that um, from when I knew yeah, it, yeah. From when you started the company. Oh, um, eleven. Eleven years. Yep, eleven years. So, what was that moment like when you, you know, you officially signed the, yeah. the paper? You're done. Yeah. You have no ownership in the company. Mm. What what feelings did you? Experience? I'll try not to cry. Uh, <laughs> my seriously, my mom called me, said, you know, she was proud of me. Um, it was cool. It was awesome. I'm serious. I try not to cry. <laughs> no, uh, no, my my. I sat with my wife. So we signed the papers in a big building, in in uh, in uh, downtown St. Pete. You know, of course, like, uh, you know, kind of setting the stage at this big conference table. It's Chris and his wife, and we're friends. You know, Chris and his wife, and me and my wife. We signed the papers. They had to sign some more documents for SBA loan and stuff. So we went down to the coffee shop. And I just cried like a baby. <laughs> I just cried like a baby. I'm like, oh, I did it. I did it. But I don't know what I'm going to do. And, like, I don't even know. But I was so happy. It was such an interesting feeling, man. Um, I always wanted to feel – I wanted to exit. I love the uh, – I love trying new things um, um, as long as I control them. No, I'm just <laughs> I love change that I control, right, than everybody. Uh, but, yeah, no, man, I just – I felt uh, very – uh, I felt like it was the, I knew it was the right thing. Not even felt, I just, I knew it was the right thing. I went through the process the right way, handled it the right way. You know, they say we had a 50-50 partnership, which I do not recommend personally, <laughs> but we had a 50-50 partnership and for him and I to be, I mean, that's like, it's like a business divorce. You guys know better than I do, I'm sure. It's like uh, for us to, I was very proud of the fact that we controlled the narrative and that he and I remained very good friends and continue i call them today actually so so that was that was pretty awesome so and it was cool to my bank account grew <laughs> <laughs> i mean that is that's got to be an amazing feeling after 11 years mm -hmm. of working your butt off and looking back at that day one when you had three thousand dollars in your bank account and you go to your wife and you say can i buy some lawn equipment and go at this yeah. and then fast forward 11 years you're sitting there signing paper like yeah. that's that's just fascinating Hi, this is Joey Brannon. I want to take a quick time out just to tell you a little bit more about Axiom and the work that we do. We work with closely held businesses on strategic growth. What that means is that we come alongside the business owners, we help them get clear about where their business is going, and then we engage their leadership team to build plans for growth and then execute those plans. If you're a business owner and you're trying to grow or you're looking for future growth, or maybe you're just trying to manage the current growth that you have and you're looking for some help, you want somebody to come alongside you, to give you the tools, to show you what accountability looks like, to build the skill set of your team so that you can step away from the business while it continues to grow, give us a call. You can find more information at axiomstrategic.com.
fascinating. Um, one of the one of the interesting parts of this story that uh, that I found out the first time I met you, and you know this had to be affirming for you personally. There's like as soon as you walked out the door, you know Fieldstone was a shadow of its former self. It struggled. It didn't do very well. And but that's not what happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, they flourished. They flourished. Yeah. You know. And yeah. so, uh, what was that like to like step out? Yeah. And a year, two years later, look back and see Chris. You know, he's kind of taking it to the next level. Yeah. And you, you shared some really cool stuff in our first mm-hmm. meeting. That just that was. You know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lack of ego in it. Oh, yeah. Um. And and just also an acknowledgement that you know that it was it was his time as well. And there were some things about it just being his show to run that probably mm-hmm. helped things talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we, we, um, internally him and I, Chris and I, with the 50, 50 partnership, it wasn't just 50, 50. We didn't vote on things. We were friends. We played f- high school football together. We were friends then became business partners. We kind of felt like it was, or I, I should, I feel like it was kind of like being a brother. Like you don't choose them, you know, it's just like, <laughs> right, I feel like, right. I mean, I did, but I didn't, you know? And, and so, um, we respected each other so much that if, if I had an idea um, and he didn't want to do the idea, he didn't want to go that route, start a, a, a vertical company or something like that, a tree company or something, for instance, if he didn't want to do that, that's not what happened, by the way, but, but if, he, if he didn't want to do that, I would not pursue it. In fact, I wouldn't fight him on it. We just had this like um, non-combative, uh, just like, look, if we're not both on the same page, then we're going. The problem with that is we don't get anything done. We don't get, we, it, sometimes it's better. I, I think it's sometimes it's better just to make a decision. Even if it's wrong, you're making progress because you're going to learn from that failure, that wrong decision and keep moving forward. So I always say we had a two headed animal. And when we cut one of the, when we cut one of the heads off, that was me. (laughs) Great analogy. (laughs) Cut one of the heads off. The the company went in the direction of the one head and, and that is very true. And Chris did a great job and he really did. And, and it's continuing to, uh, to grow. I mean, they doubled the size of the company, you know, in, in, within literally like two years. Wow. And it was already a big company. I mean, you guys had grown it to a hundred employees. Yeah. We were five, we were 5 million when I exited and he got up to like 12 in the last bit. I wow. think he scaled back on purpose recently, but yeah. And how many years ago was that? Mm. Uh, 2018, so, a- April yeah. 2nd, 2018 at 10:48. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it is April 2nd, 2018. And so then there was a, a short gap. How mm-hmm. long was that gap before Vine IT? <clears throat> uh, it was uh, April to August. April to August. How long is that? Five months. CPA. Five. Yeah. Okay. Five, five months. months. <laughs> Approximately five months. Okay. What What were you doing there during those five months? Uh, I got real good at golf. Um, <laughs> no. It's, in all seriousness, I you know I, I think it's important to celebrate and to refresh um, because I knew whatever it was. I didn't know. I just knew I was going to go hard at something. I knew God was going to put something in front of me that was that was for me to be challenged, and that He did. Um, so that period of time I, I, I took, I knew this, I knew at the beginning, my relationships needed to be strong. So I was taking the kids to school, you know, spending time with my wife. Um, she was not pushing me hard. She knew I was, I would actively pursue something. And I, uh, my mind, body, spirit, I worked out whether it was golf or being at the gym. Um, uh, and I was, I, did you just my, consider golf a workout? Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> the golf cart driving is the hardest part. Uh, and, and my spiritual disciplines, I was on point. I mean, it was a good period of time and, and I had my mindset. Right. Um, and then I went to, I did that for like, you know, a month or so, um, which seems like forever when you, 
you were with the I love you guys, but the old guys at the gym, you, then you see them at the golf course. Like <laughs> all my friends were working, you know, and I'm like, we'd have lunch and be like, hey, have a beer with me. And they're like, uh, yeah, we have to go to work. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I got to get back. You don't want to hit the lane shot? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I need to go back to work. Um, so then I had to start looking for the next venture. And I knew I, I had some cash, so I, I, um, I wanted to buy an existing business. That I knew. I wanted to buy an existing business. Um, and I didn't even know how to look. So one of my best friends, Joe Fontana, right? Uh, yeah. Hancock Whitney, he's a banker. He was a big help. Jada Gear, my partner now, silent partner. And they were a big help, you know, talking to business brokers, talking to bankers. I started off with this. Hey, business broker, I want to buy a business. Okay, what time, what type, what sector? Um, I don't know. One with people. I like people. Right? <laughs> you know, like, like, and then I was like, okay, service base. Okay. Could you be more specific? So I learned how to like build this, you know, this pitch, if you will, and who to talk to and, and how to talk to them. So I started networking a little bit and, um, but, uh, yeah, that was cool. But, um, then vine, the way vine showed up, I was actually a client of vine ITs and my best friend, Jada gear, one of my best friends, I have a core group of best friends. They're my brothers. And they, he was the financier. He was the financial guy behind it. And they just didn't have a, a, a leader at the helm. Well, they did. Nate was leading them operationally, but not visionary. They weren't moving forward. Um, so that's how we found down the Vine, though. How do you know? How do you know Vine IT is the one? This is, this yeah, is very be. simple, man. It was very, very simple. We, we were, it checked all the boxes of, um, it's actually like landscaping. So we have commercial landscaping and IT in MSP, managed service provider. I know, just stay with me for a second. <laughs> so it's a recurring service model, recurring revenue model with upsell projects at a higher margin. It's a people business. It's people driven. We are the, the, it, the grunt work of construction is landscaping. Like the last to get paid, the last to put the plant, the put the, on the project, the plants go last. MSP, and I love this. This is who I love to work with. The MSP this we're service-based we're the grunt work of and i say that respectfully i say that as a positive thing like we're the blue collar of it everyone thinks about sexy cybersecurity and all that we're like no we make sure sally's computer is working we make sure sally's you know when she calls and says her screen is black we go is it plugged in sally like we, <laughs> these guys have to deal with this stuff and there's higher level stuff too but but um i just loved the business model was very similar it was very people oriented you know um, so, so Jay and I, I said, Jay, what about Vine? Or he said to me, what about Vine? Ironically, back in 2015, he said, man, maybe you should come run Vine, you know, with him, you know, join the team or whatever. And I'm like, Jay, I have a, I have a company to, to run. Like I'm running a company. I had no vision of leaving. Um, so three years later, he said it again, and, and, and they actually really had a need. And, uh, we looked at it and we both said, we actually came back <clears throat> and said, no, this is not it. Hmm. And we said, well, let's do this. And I said, let's commit to praying about it. Let's not rush. You keep looking for other business. So we committed to praying about it. By Friday, we called each other, couldn't get off the, get it out of our mouth. This is it. Like, this is it. It was like, <laughs> this is it. So, so it's a real cool story, how Vine, there's, and one day I'll have to introduce you guys to Jay. He's got the behind the scenes before Mike and how it led up to me. Um, it's it it truly is a god thing how it, it all came together it's really cool what did what are, you talked earlier about the vision um 
you know, and, and having to be kind of quiet and respectful of, of some of the, the scars and build credibility. Mm-hmm. What were some of the other things that you had to do or, or discovered needed to doing to, I guess, to talk about the culture, like the culture of what you knew of it pre you getting involved mm-hmm. as the visionary leader, what the what what and how long the transition period was to where you guys are now. How has that culture period mm-hmm. or culture yeah. shifted? How's it shifted? Uh, you know, I, I came in to I'm an outgoing extroverted, um, you know, energetic, lively person. You know, I want music on in the office and I want to come in and turn all the lights on and let's 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 get some energy in here and and they're not that <laughs> the, I, what, what's the opposite I don't know. literally and uh love these guys man they but they work with the lights off right like in fact they've kind of converted me in the afternoons i work with the lights off for some reason i'm like you guys are converting me like like all right um have they compromised on the music or is that <laughs> no it was classical it's, it's kind of a help desk so we kind of can't you know but we had it on today but there was they were working remote so uh but um so i knew let me say this i knew that i was not going to come in and change their culture i was going to come in and be a part of it and influence it that was that was it they didn't have a bad culture a negative culture but the things they didn't do they didn't have a Christmas party. They didn't have buy pizza for the office every once in a while. And, and partly it was because they were being respectful of, of the investors, uh, money. And, and, but anyways, they did their, their culture didn't, did not include, um, intentional, uh, communication and interaction, right? They were all, you know, they were friends and they interacted on things, but man, I'll tell you, I watched Mandalorian. I don't know if you guys know it's Star Wars. Um, <laughs> the most star wars i've ever watched in my life like i watch shows that they're talking about because i want to be immersed (laughs) and i want to know what they're talking about you know and it was a great show by the way so what i'm imagining and this is no offense to anybody in it is a group of nerds and then the cool popular jock guy walks in they start hanging out and the jock guy's like Mm -hmm. oh man i I don't know if i want to hang out with them and the nerds are like this guy sucks and then (laughs) and then before long the jock is a nerd and he's yeah he's he's doing nerd things yeah because the jock sees that's accurate the (laughs) the jock sees value in those people and value in them if i'm not going to convert them to be like me and i'm still going to be me but I can be me in their space, right? I can respect their boundaries. If you take your shoes off in your house, I'm taking my shoes off, man. That's just it, right? Or I'm not going in your house. And I wanted to be in their house, so I was taking my shoes off. You know, I, I want to adhere to their... Now, if there was a cancerous something negative there, I would speak up for right. sure. I'm not going to be silent on that. But they, there was nothing broken. We just needed some more. And I remember our, the first Christmas, I had been there, I think I started in October. It was when I really started working. And um, so I'm, you know, three months in, I was like, it was Christmas party. Man, Fieldstone, we had a massive Christmas party. I mean, it was big. We, it was a party. We had a band, everything. <laughs> Latin music, you know, Spanish music and all that. <laughs> it was awesome. And, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, they, they're like, we don't really do that. I'm like, dude, we got to do something. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm like, give me a present. No, but uh, no, but we. So we ended up going to Glory Days. We went and had uh, had lunch, literally lunch in the middle of the day. Had a beer. I'm like, I'll pay for everything. Come on, guys, let's rock. And that was kind of the beginning of like, no, this is our new thing. This is what we do. So yeah, I love that you're 
cultural changes are all based around parties. <laughs> we need a Christmas party. We That's need to right. start having pizza parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And I was go ahead. You go. I was gonna say like we talk about culture, and there might be an assumption that we know what it is, but that's yeah. probably. I mean, like I'd like to hear you describe, like what makes the culture? Is it events? Is it get-togethers? Is it music in the office? Mm-hmm. Is it? But you know, we we talk about values and, and how values are a big part of culture, but. You know, just putting words on a wall doesn't yeah. create a culture. So what it, what have you found the culture is? What makes it? And mm. both at Fieldstone and at Vine. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think of two words. You said one values and communication. I think it's 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 the way I believe that a culture is the way that we communicate with each other, how we show appreciation, how we interact um, negatively, like Nate and I, how we disagree with each other. It starts with us. Nate's my business partner, my operating partner, Nate. Um, and how we, and we got to spend a lot of time together and, and how we would disagree with each other was, was actually really healthy. It was a refreshing, you know, he's like, he goes, we're too old, man. We don't have time for that. Just tell me what you don't like. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I love you, dude. I'll do it respectfully though. And vice versa. Um, but I really think it's, it's communication. Cause like you think about the parties and stuff, those are just opportunities for communication. All right. That's really what it is. So you're creating spaces where that communication That's can exactly happen it. and you're using values to, to kind of give some guardrails to when mm-hmm. the communication happens in whatever form, like this is the way we want it to happen. Yep. And, and uh, I remember at Fieldstone we had, um, I, I was coaching our, 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 uh, not our leadership team, but our management team. I was coaching them on, um, uh, because it was a stressful job and things would get messed up and they'd have to communicate it. Hey, I just got yelled at by this client because they mowed over the flowers or whatever. Right. And you, I have to tell the operations guy. And so what I was coaching them on was, and it's, it's a culture thing is, is remember when the, when the person, when you come to a person with an issue, a negative thing, their first response, we're going to work on that, but don't take the first response to heart. Let's just let it be. They put all their heart and soul into it. They're stressed, whatever. Let's get weight and let's give the second response more cred, you know, mm-hmm. more credibility. And, and I think that was a big, um, I was trying to influx in our culture, whether it worked or not, I don't know. But I think I, I emphasize uh, communication when it comes to that. Um, I also, I was going to say creating spaces. So I think I learned this from, I think it was Apple or someone, I read an article or something about how they have collisions, like the way their, their feng shui or whatever, their, their architecture is set up. And we had this one space um, where um, it was the copy machine. It was the center of the office. It, was, it went through to operations. So operations, you know, there'd be guys smelling like they worked all day because they did. And then there would be Miss Dorian in her dress, all beautiful. And, and, she, and, then, and then there was a water cooler, right? And um, to me, that was intentionally, that was a collision space. So there were times if I want to influence people I'd go get water and hang out. I just literally hang out in that section for a little bit. And, uh, and, and in fact, there's a little office there that I took that, oh, it was tiny. It was, it was half the size of this office. I said, I want that office. <laughs> I got nothing done <laughs> like on the computer or anything, but, but it, I was there cause I wanted to be where the people were. Yeah. You know, so that's cool. Yeah. Love the people. Are there anything, is there anything else that, um, sticks out like as a particular, um, struggle or hard time I mean, you guys were uh starting the business probably not in the most 
not in the best economic environment. The worst economy since the Great Depression. Let's start a business. <laughs> Let's go. So Never done it before? You're no. a hell of a salesman for your wife. So what were some of the what were some of the valleys uh, that we mm. haven't talked about that are have been formative that maybe you look back now and go, hey, we made it through that. Mm. Maybe it's maybe it helped build your marriage. You know, mm -hmm. gave your wife. Uh, a reason to believe in you the next time things get tough. But what, what were some of those moments? Yeah. Um, you know, cash is, is like the blood of a business. Right. And, um, that was one, uh, technically like we had no clue what we were doing cash wise and we were growing fast and we weren't even bankable and, and we didn't even know we needed a bank. We didn't know what that meant. You know, like we like the money's in the bank. We're like, <laughs> You know, so we didn't understand that. So we had a couple of scary moments. We had one, I'll never forget it. Chris's mom bailed us out. She gave us 10 grand. Our payroll was, was it was payroll plus some expenses. It was probably, probably needed seven. And she gave us 10 grand. We were driving around on Thursday afternoon and maybe, yeah, Thursday afternoon, payrolls due Friday. And we have, you know, these people, you know, 15, I don't know, 12, 15 people that were relying on us, which I refused. To, I probably would have robbed a bank like <laughs> like I, you know I would refuse you work I mean the Bible speaks of it you All know right. pay 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 unto the, <laughs> those who work for you man and and uh and um so that moment was impactful for me because we the ultimate I take ownership of that we mismanaged the money mismanaged our cash and we almost got burned so bad that like 15 people didn't get paid on a Friday mm -hmm. and to me that would just be I don't even I I couldn't live with that, you know, and she bailed us out, gave us 10 grand. We paid her back the next week, which proves it was a cash flow issue. We had, you know, it was just at the time. Um, so that was one. The other one was, man, I, I realized that, um, that we were struggle wise because we didn't know what we were doing and we were making mistakes that some of them I look back, I don't even know I made mistakes. I, I you know, we just kept going, but I did learn about myself that I became a master at putting a, square peg in a round hole you know you just you shave the edges off and jam it in <laughs> and you kick it and you for, hit it with your forehead um but it was a mindset and mentality that we had to have um because we did weren't as savvy mentally you know with, with knowledge or experience um that's for sure and man i keep going back to communication chris and i as business partners and i'm sure you guys you deal with business partners on a you know regular basis and i say deal with um, because you know, him and I is, is our, our communication when it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was horrible. And it, it affected everybody. Mm -hmm. It affected the entire organization. And I refuse to do that again, not because I don't want to, but because I don't, not because it, I, it's not good for me, but because it's not good for all my, my people, the people I, I, I affect. So, um, that was a big failure over the years. And Chris would, if he was here, he'd say the same because our communication was not, healthy at times you know yeah. so but no i mean you're, you've talked a lot about communication and so one of the things that we one of the principles that we try to teach a lot of our clients comes from the book extreme ownership mm. which is this idea of communicating up the chain of command and i i get the impression just that you you absolutely love your people mm. like they are the lifeblood of your business without them you could do the work yourself but you'd get burnt out and you, you've kind of made that a, a case how do you get them because you, you said you learned early that it wasn't just in meetings that you could come in and rock the meeting and drop the mic and then 
you know, any questions. Yeah. Right. It, I'm sure it was a process for you to learn how to get them to communicate up the chain of command too. So how did you do that? And what are some of the things that you still do to get people to communicate upward? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question, man. Drop the mic, Devin. Good question. <laughs> um, man, it, it's not sexy, but the first thing that comes to mind or it's not complicated. The first thing that comes to mind is that, um, people want to be listened to like people. I mean, active listening is, is something I actively work on. Um, and, and that's an example set that takes time, I think. But if I'm investing individually and that's tough with big or if I bought an organization with, you know, if I bought a company with 150 employees, it'd be difficult, you know, to, to let them know, but I could influence the influencers. But, but, um, because I have, you know, I came in and we have 10 people, I can individually impact people and build that culture or build that, that, uh, bottom up communication because I can go to them and I can ask questions and listen. I mean, look, look, at, look at the whole, uh, I challenge, challenge you to, to, um, Go throughout the day and, and, and go throughout the week. I'll give you the month and count how many people ask you about something and they want to hear your opinion on something, right? Um, it's a lot less, right? It's a lot less than opinions that you hear, right? So, so most of the time people are speaking and they're not asking, what do you think about this, right? We see it everywhere, not just social media. This is normal interactions. And so observing that and seeing that and failing at that and and fieldstone i don't think i did a great job at fieldstone at that i really don't i had a real strong reflection period like a real real heavy and i still do um open mic the open mic building that platform has helped me because i'm like what did i learn what are the lessons that i'm applying now and instead of just doing them why am i doing it oh because back then i failed at it let me talk about that let me share it um so so but now Honestly, I'm trying to actively listen and go to them individually. And when the team gets so big that I can't do that, I'll just go to the, you know, the influencers and I hope to set the example for that. So hmm. yeah. good. there's a, there's a, a guy we know, uh, his name's Doug Pohl. Uh, he, he will be a guest at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but he's our C12 chair uh, mm. for both Devin and I. Awesome. And uh, so I get the opportunity not just to spend a day with him and other business owners, but he and I meet once a month and he and Devin meet once a month for kind of a one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And Doug, you know, the first thing I think of Doug is being, he's just a great guy to spend time with, you know, great conversationalist. But when I really think about our time together, he spends about 90% of the time just listening to me blather mm -hmm. on, <laughs> but he's a very active listener. You know, he's, he's truly engaged and mm -hmm. hanging on every word. And it's probably one of the few times every month that somebody is that engaged, you know, and like my wife is very engaged, but at the same time, there's usually three kids in the house right, running around. Right. You know, so we have to wait for a date night and then, you know, you're tired or or you've you know, one of you has something they really want to talk about. And so it's rare, uh, j I think, just in life to have that kind mm -hmm. of engagement. Imagine what your the 10 colleagues on your team yeah. feel about getting that engagement from their leader. Right. Like, I mean, that's got to be even rarer still. So you start yeah. talk about what do you do to build culture? I mean, I got to think that gives you a lot of credibility as a leader just to be able to listen. Yeah. And I will say, too, from a from a productivity standpoint, this is big. I'm working on a lot of initiatives, but this is a focus. I promise like is is uh, my productivity and my time management 
um, I just built my first default calendar, right? And, and, and that's really helping me, but now I have to communicate why I'm saying no to people or why my door is closed, if you will, right? Or I'm working from the house or whatever it is, not in the summer. I've got a 10 and a seven-year-old, that's not <laughs> so, uh, um, and, and um, you know, I think that, um, oh man, I just drew a blank, what was I saying? The default calendar. Oh, okay, yeah, so I'm building the default calendar and I'm, I'm working on my time management and I am in, trying to be intentional. I think intentionality is everything. So, so it's natural for me to go to the people. So if there's people in the office, cause we, we kind of hybrid work, remote work model, if you will, before it was cool or COVID <laughs> or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, it's easy for me to be distracted. So I, I have to not only, you know, but so I put on my schedule and I do it even without, but I do have on my schedule, like investment time, you know, time to invest in, in people. And that gives me freedom to go, okay, like I can walk around the office, you know, I remember, and obviously you're right. I, I, I believe that I, I'm a very people driven, not a process driven, you know, um, uh, when it comes to, to business and life in general. But I remember just a little thing I used to do all the time at Fieldstone, didn't know I was doing it till I knew. And then I said, Oh, I should keep doing that. Um, is I would never get every time I'd get to the office, I always did the right hand tour. So I'd all the offices on the right and I'd go say hey to everybody and I would never leave without going to say hey to everybody. Like, I mean, I would if, sometimes if I had to run out, but I, I want to go high five, fist bump, you know, boom, 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 boom. And those little things, man, from a leadership standpoint. And who, why is it different if you have a $50 million company or a $500,000 company? I don't, there's still people, there's just less or more. You, you know, you're still responsible for leading them and investing in them. So. so you've already alluded to this a few times, but just looking back over, you know, it's your second stint as CEO. What has been the most, number one, most fulfilling thing to you as CEO? Um, hmm. You know, seeing my, as CEO, man, that's a good question. You know, I'm proud of our growth, first of all because I know that our growth is not me. I didn't show up with, you know, a hundred percent more revenue. I was a part of it. But, um, when I bought the company, we were in the red, um, and we were in the red and we, we couldn't afford me. I didn't get paid for two years. You know, it was, we were just grinding and pushing and ideal client going in a direction. And from getting the team going in the same direction, they produced, I mean, we grew 100% in two years and we're in the black and I actually got a paycheck, which is super cool for the marriage. <laughs> you know, like it makes me so much sexier. Right? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, so, so I, I am proud. I'm very proud of that growth, honestly. Um, but, and I'm seeing this now, but I know I'm, it's going to be the, the, the overarching pride is I'm seeing some of our team members, including my business partner, but I'm seeing some of our team members, um, B believe and start to uh start to start to be a part of a leadership team in a business for the first time ever mm -hmm. and i know that i'm at the precipice of, like i'm 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 at the gate right now of like okay are you going to lead these guys or not like you've been doing it in one way actions and joint but now it's time to get start communicating that vision start getting the the consistent meetings down i'm like at that fork in the road where it's like okay we're either going to be you know uh, going to be a small company for a long time, or we're going to actually build something that's actually scalable and something that actually produces at a high level as a team. I'm looking forward to being proud of that, yeah. to watching them, uh, you know, do that. So yeah, it's good. That's cool. That's cool. 
If I asked you to, to kind of piggyback on that question, we asked you about the valleys. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about a few mountaintops. <laughs> yeah, um, that's cool. So what are some of the things uh, that you've experienced over the course of your business ownership career that were huge wins, huge successes, but didn't have anything to do with money? Oh, yeah. Does sales do with money, have to do with money? Because <laughs> closing those big deals is awesome. It's a big dopamine. Yeah, it's a, it's really big, uh, really cool. Especially when you like put on the whole, you know, the whole team's putting on a show. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so one of the, so a couple of things I'm proud of: the big moments, the wins. Um, I would say, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, and was proud of when we had an operation that was operating on its own. Like it was, it was. I mean, Chris and I could disappear for, for a month. And in fact, we did actually, we, we, we realized we needed to work on the business. Um, and we were working in it a lot and it would soak us in. So we actually rented a suite or a, a office in downtown. It was this empty. We just got for one month. He ended up letting us keep it for two. It was super cool. We had a couple whiteboards and a couch and, and a desk and brought a laptop and worked on the business for a month. And, and it ran on its own. Wow. Definitely proud of that. That was awesome. <laughs> Did it run perfect? No, it didn't. Um, but we, our phones weren't blowing up. You know, they were, we were just like, you fix the problems. Like, you got it. Yeah. Go, you know. Um, so that, that was a big one. That was a big one. And then this, can I do sales? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Because this is a team effort. Hmm. So we had this property called Point Brittany. It's a big property down condos down on the way to the beach. And um, I'll never forget, we were trying to get a, uh, Cheval Country Club out there. So we, were, they were a prospect of ours, and we're like, "Hey, look, let us take you on a tour of our properties." <laughs> and so, <laughs> we probably had I don't know 25 employees at the time, and uh, and we rented a suburban, put the board members in it. <clears throat> this is a team effort. There's uh, uh, there was an operations guy in there. There was Chris and I, and then there was our VP of sales. And so like we're teaming up, Chris is driving and I'm in the back with them and we're all spread out throughout this thing, just kind of doing a, a rolling sales pitch. And it was a team effort, it was so cool. So we pull into Point Brittany to this property, right? And it's big condos, beautiful grass, palm trees. And, uh, and every single employee at Fieldstone, literally 100% of the employees, employees were at the property working like, like like a Las Vegas show, like the irrigation <laughs> turned on while the guys were cutting grass, which you don't turn irrigation on while you're cutting grass. So he's checking it. <laughs> and then the photo was helping an old lady across the street. <laughs> it was like Truman show, man. It was so staged, but it was not false. Like it was like, this is what we can do. Right. We're not going to do it all at the same time. You know, we got guys trimming palm trees. We got fertilizing and uh, why are they all models? <laughs> <laughs> right. We were like, everybody tuck your shirts in. You know, if I see one cigarette, I would be so mad. Uh, and we ended up getting that property and had it for many, many years. Actually, through 2018. So, That's yeah, awesome. that was cool. That it was a team cool. effort, though. I enjoy that. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Hi, this is Devin Dash at Axiom Strategic. And we just want to take a moment to, to break in our episode. And first of all, just thank you for listening. And the second thing we want to inform you of is a special series that we're going to be doing where we want to answer your burning questions. If you're a business owner or you're a professional working for a business and you have a burning question um, that we can put our minds to and, and maybe help you you know, think strategically about, do not hesitate to, to reach out to us. We're going to be putting together a string of episodes where we're going to be answering your questions. You can email us your questions at podcast at axiomstrategic.com 
Or you can visit our website, axiomstrategic.com, visit our podcast page, and there will be a form that you can fill out and get us your questions that way. I want to thank you again for listening. And now back to the episode. Um, I'm curious to, um, you know, you, we've talked about your wife and you, you know, closing that first mm-hmm. sale with her. What have you done um, over the years? I mean, business, I, I talk to business owners all the time and young guys and, and ladies who are starting businesses. And I say, it's, you're, you're going to have the time of your life and, um, you know, probably get disappointed every now and then. But I can promise you, you'll never work harder for anybody else than you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, that's a tremendous blessing because in a lot of ways it doesn't feel like work. Um, but it also, you, you run a huge risk of not setting boundaries and yeah. you know, giving more of yourself to the yeah. business than, than you should. So what have you done? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's some, some uh, you know, valley moments there. Where mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got plenty of those to share, mm-hmm. but I'm not being interviewed. So those are going <laughs> to stay in my pocket. Yeah. Um, but you know, what have you done to, to kind of keep those boundaries safe and have a flourishing marriage and be a great mm-hmm. father and husband? Uh, as well as a business owner. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's, it's tough to. It's t- I, my wife has never. I'm being honest. My wife has never said I'm working too much ever. Now, is that a compliment? I don't know. Maybe I don't work enough, right? <laughs> what she told me was, I come from a working family. She's an Im- immigrant, single mom for many years. Um, her dad just lived out in Denver, and and. Um, and she was taught to work and that's what she does. She goes, so if you come home late, this is before we had kids. I'm, I was very blessed, got lucky also to, to not have kids in the early phases of Fieldstone. So that long, 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 long before the sun comes up, after the sun goes down, it was just me and her. So I, I'm very thankful for that. Um, she told me, she said, if, 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 you don't, if you are not coming home, if you're staying late, you just better be working. She goes, that's what we do, we work. That's fine. So she helped with that mentality. Um, uh, and then once the kids came, um, I think I was probably maybe mature enough is, but even just far enough along, I am a big fan of, I don't leave the house without my preset priorities, because if I leave the house without preset priorities, I, 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 I'm going to make the wrong decision when the opportunity presents itself. Right. Um, so I knew that it was, you know, it was God family Fieldstone. That was my, that was my jam. God family Fieldstone, God family Fieldstone. And, and with respect to things that have to get done at times, even to this day at Vine IT, if I lose less equity or less revenue, if I sold a company for $6 million versus $10 million, because I was home at dinner at six o'clock every night, sitting around a table with my family, which is when we eat dinner and that's what we do 90% of the time, um, then you can have the 4 million bucks. Okay, I'll pay you 4 million bucks for it. And, and to me, and man, I'm telling you, no BS, that, is, that, is, that has never changed. I've never been an issue with that, honestly. And I love working, don't get me wrong. It's, I enjoy the process, but I already know. I'm 5.45, I'm heading home, mm-hmm. you know, usually before that, but, but I just, this is like a small window. You know what I told you earlier? Uh, my, it probably ties to my biggest fear. My biggest fear, I told you, is leaving stuff on the table in, in life. Like I, and, and I've had good mentors um, model that for me. I've had good mentors. One of my most influential uh, told me, he showed me 
and he is in my head all the time, how he failed at that and how he put his business first. And I, man, I'll never forget it. He, I mean, he's got example after example, including when his kids have said something back to him. And I'm like, I just not happening to me, man. Yeah. It's just not happening. So let me be clear. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not, I, but that is one thing I don't struggle with, honestly. And I observe like you, so many of my friends professionally, but especially entrepreneurs, like I observe so many people that struggle with that and that's nobody's fault, but our own, right? That that's us. So that's awesome. And I don't know if your wife will listen to this. So um, I'm going to make her. <laughs> so if she is, Mike did not ask me to ask this question, but talk, uh, talk a little bit just about how supportive your wife has been. Cause I, I feel like every time yeah. me and you meet, she gets brought up at some point. Mm -hmm. And so we'd love for you just to share how she's been there for you. Over the yeah. Years. So she, again, she holds the string to my balloon, man. I'd be gone. Um, I'll, I'll give you. So early on, my wife was so fiscally disciplined and worked so hard at a young age that she would lend cash money to her parents' friends, like, like with interest. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like she would be like four grand, three grand, two grand. They knew they could go to her to, 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 to the neighborhood loan. Shark. She was it. Uh, she was it. Not a bookie, but a loan shark. Yes. <clears throat> no, but she, um, so, so, so that sets the precedent. Like she's very, responsible and, and conservative well early on when i was in the rich dad poor dad days i spoke about back in the day i i got scammed by a, i got bamboozled by a guy that was trying to get an investment i thought i was gonna be the savvy investor i gave him five grand and he and he was starting a limo business and i mean nothing signed i knew i was an idiot i was 21 <laughs> years old or maybe 20 yeah 21 my fiance's five thousand dollars and he comes back with a knot on his eye and is like, oh, I don't know. He was, he was, he was just a bad dude. <laughs> Never got the money back. But my wife still keeps investing in me. And that's the, I, I'm not kidding you this week, two nights ago, I laid in bed and I said, thank you. And she goes, huh? Like she was going to sleep. And I said, just thanks for believing in me and just betting on me on these crazy things and like, you know, open mic and like, you know, leaving Fieldstone. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, how is it so nonchalant? You know? <laughs> But she, she truly is, um, she's, she's truly is my better half. And she, she always encourages me and says like, you, you, she's like, pull out the best in your family and pull out the best in your past and use it and go forward. Right. The best in your grandfather and your dad and your friends and grab that, learn from it and go forward. You know, so she cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. well, if we, uh, if, if you were to, to talk to one of these young younger mics you know uh and they said man i'm thinking about going out and and spending my last three thousand dollars on mm -hmm. on equipment to start a business uh or uh i think maybe um the people who are going to spend the three thousand dollars they're just going to do it they're not going to come ask you for advice right yeah that's so i think it's the people who are a little bit more risk averse mm -hmm. um who are looking for confirmation they're looking for affirmation sometimes they're looking for counsel maybe sometimes they're looking for somebody to tell them not to do the thing that yeah. they're scared of but if somebody said you know i, I think i want to start a business where would you start what, what kind of advice would you give them yeah i you know a lot of folks say th this is psychologically accurate to say that if you burn the ships you take the to burn the ships and take the island but I, I just don't think that's necessary in, the, in, in, in America, in the greatest experiment ever, the greatest country ever, the greatest opportunity. I mean, the opportunity we have here, um, you can 
you know, because most of those people have a job, you know, and there's a lot of folks online and a lot of folks all over are saying just you know, say go for it and quit your job and now you have to and you're going to go. And I just don't just to be clear. That's what I did. But I'm talking to myself back then. Right. It, it's not necessary. I could have done the exact same thing and kept my job and kept my income and kept stress levels different or built up, been disciplined um, and built up a, a nest egg so that I could have had, you know, 50 grand in the bank. Oh, maybe it would have taken a couple of years, but you know, when you're, I was 21 years old, right? 20 years old. And, uh, and um, so for, for me, I just, that's one that I kind of go against a lot um, is, is I respect it and I see it and I see the value, but we're not trying to take the island. Business should be fun, right? Business should be productive. It should be fun. You're creating a job for yourself and for other people. There's no reason that it has to be this massive levels of stress. I thought it had to be for a while because that's how I experienced it. And watching you, you know, there's you guys and, and others and my peers. And I'm like, no, you can, you can really enjoy this thing. This, this, this vessel, um, this, my friend calls it a well, it's a well, this well that you can just draw out time. You can draw out money, but you can draw out time. You can draw, um, you know, opportunities. You get to meet people that, you know, so, um, I just, I just don't, I don't get me wrong. People also preach the grind, grind, grind. And, and I feel like half the people that say that have never don't even know what that means, man. Um, but you don't have to push yourself to the brink. You don't, if you just plan a little and we live in the world of, of re we, in the information age, there's so many resources. You tell me that a, a 20 something, you know, kid comes up 25 year old and found out you're a business consulting firm and comes in with the right attitude. I don't want to give away your services for free here, <laughs> but it comes in with the right attitude and just pulls on your coattail and says, I'll yeah. do anything to learn from you. you you're not going to slam the door shut. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what, isn't that how you got started here? Devin? That is actually how I got started. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So I met Joey through our church mm -hmm. uh, and I was actually his son's youth director. That's awesome. Uh, so I graduated business school and I came to him. We had just had a daughter. My daughter was born two months earlier and I've been put sending out my resume, applying for jobs, and I came to join at church one Sunday. I said, hey, can we get lunch? I'd like to talk to you about an internship. And lo and behold, he had other plans, and he took, he just basically said, I don't wanna, I don't wanna bring you in on as, an in as an intern, I wanna give you a position, and, and just just ride with me and learn, and it's, it's been three years now, so. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. That Same. is so cool. I was just talking about him, yeah. I didn't know it. Well, we had another interesting or neat experience. A couple brothers that we know uh, decided to start a business. They're actually uh, two of triplets, and um, you know they, they saw an opportunity in the market. They did their due diligence. They got licensed to do this particular service, and then they came and they said, hey, like, what do we do? Yeah. Right? And then we... We hooked them up with a couple of clients who are successful older business owners. And I said, hey, would you be willing to give these guys some time? And they said, yeah. And I said, you need to go sit down with this guy and this guy and this yeah. guy and just ask them what you should be doing. You know, And they've done it. And I think I look at I look at these guys and they're what, 20 years old, 21 years old, Chris 21. Is, oh, that's 20, awesome. 21, 22. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, man, you are so far ahead of the game. Than so many of your peers who are too afraid to ask or too prideful to ask or waiting for somebody else to give it to them. And you've just said, hey, I'm, I think you get a long ways in humility at any age. Yes. You know, I think it, uh, the older you get, 
the harder it becomes in some mm. ways because it's it's kind of countercultural. But at the same time, if you're willing to do something that countercultural and and put your ego in check, you you will get the audience yeah. right. You, yeah. you will get the benefit of the wisdom. That's so. a good point. It is it is countercultural. Absolutely. You know, two more quick things too. You think about open mic. So. I'm literally creating, I'm one of millions of people out there that are creating content. So if you have access to, you know, we, oh, we, we don't know a Joey that owns a business or whatever. Okay, do you have the internet, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's literally creating content for free that could help you. Yeah. Um, um, and then the, the other one was, um, there is a point where you have to take action. I think sometimes we over plan, you know, and we want like, what is it? Perfection is, is the enemy of progress. And there's a point where it's like, yeah, man, we just start it. Like, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? I started, I had a scooter company um, during this rich dad, poor dad phase. There was a little, me and my buddy, uh, Cody, hung up flyers to sell scooters around the college campus before scooters were cool and they were everywhere. Right, right. They were when they were coming right. in, you know. Um, and uh, we never sold a scooter. We actually never owned a scooter. We were just seeing if we could sell scooters. So we put up flyers and we're like, I don't know, we could start a business. So it's we the scoot- definition of a salesman. Yeah. Hey, we'll sell it now. We'll figure out where to get it. Yeah. And right. well, we went to scooter shops and we're like, hey, man, so how's it going? Where do you get these things? You know, like, uh, like we, I mean, you know, we, we had a couple. I started a property management company. First one I actually incorporated was uh, Apex Management Solutions LLC. Um, never, never managed a property, man. Just kind of, I was like, Let's just try it, you know. Let's just go. Let's see. And I, but I learned, you know, yeah. it was cool. Well, tell us about Open Mic. So mm-hmm. this is your, this is a, another chapter that you've opened, mm-hmm. and it's a podcast. But it's also, you know, I would say, it's it's um, it's a content platform mm-hmm. that could be disseminated through podcasts, and you do YouTube. And so tell us about it. Where did it come from? Why mm-hmm. did you decide to do it? Um, did you, you know, did you just get bored. Did you give up golf. Like, what was, <laughs> what's the story behind open yeah. mic? No, nah, so so uh, when I sold Fieldstone, it was an event, you know, and everyone said congratulations. Um, uh, and I was like, at first, I was like, thank you, but then I realized, wait, it's not congratulations, man. This is like good luck because <laughs> I just sold all the comfort I had in my life. I just sold my income. Yeah, yeah, I sold my income, my equity, everything. I'm like, I sold my truck and now I had to go buy a vehicle. Now I had to pay for my cell phone. The first time I paid for a cell phone in over 10 years, <laughs> right? You know, the company's paying for it, uh, which I, it was crazy. So, um, so, you know, I really enjoyed the conversations I was having because that drew attention and they said, hey, Mike, would you, would you help me or would you talk to me? And usually it was kind of micro business or small business, less than a million dollars in revenue um, uh, type, type businesses. Uh, and I enjoyed having a coffee and having a beer and talking to them. And I was like, man, I can add some value. And, um, and so it started this long two and a half year process of um, realizing uh, that, you know, I read a book called The Power of Your Influence and, and he, and I got stuck on, um, I think it was John Maxwell's college roommate that wrote it. And I kept getting stuck in this one part. Cause he said, you have, you influence yourself, you influence others, and then you influence the world. And I kept getting stuck on the world. And I'm like, man, what the heck? I'm like, because I got others down and I got me others is, you know, us and the people you come in contact with. But I kept hitting this wall on world. And I realized I had no social media presence. I have not, none at all, I've never been on it really. And, um, and I realized, I'm like, if my grandfather or my great, great, great grandfather, I don't even know who he is, had knowledge, had experience, which he did, had a platform to share it and didn't, I'm kind of mad, yeah. right? I'm kind of upset. 
so that sparked the interest in looking into the, the, like social media, looking into the, the web-based platforms for me to share what I know. I struggled and struggled and struggled for a while and realized I was struggling with, yeah, but I don't know everything. Like, I don't know everything. I'm not an expert in this. I'm not an expert in that. Imposter syndrome. Had some friends call me out on that. And they're like, yeah, but I have a perspective. You talk about cash flow in a business. I'm not a financial guy, but I have a perspective on it. And I can share that perspective. And I found that it resonated with people um, in that smaller micro business uh, standpoint. It's just my perspective on it. So I'm sharing through podcasts. That's the, that's the main platform right now is through podcasts. And openmic.com is, I'm trying to build a community of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs um, so we could be the voice of small business. I mean, we want to be a resource for them. We want to offer resources like Axiom. We want to offer you know resources like uh, like Kyle at Clemtech Media, right? Um, Vine IT. That's the front end of Open Mic. Now, if you want to know the back end, how does it serve me, business wise? Well, it serves me intrinsically. It's a, definitely a, I enjoy the process, but it serves me in my long term vision. I would love to own. Always have wanted to. I'd love to own multiple businesses. If I had five businesses that I gave 20% of my effort, 20% of my time, 20% of my money, um, and had an operating partner in each one, and all of them were fed by a marketing hub, or that would be open mic, and I would own it, I would be, that, that, is, that is the ultimate goal for it to be the nucleus and the marketing hub and the resource hub for multiple businesses that I own. That's the goal. That's where I'm headed. Has anybody ever told you you're a visionary? <laughs> <laughs> has any, yeah. Has, uh, any, has anyone ever told you or asked you, uh, so how am I going to do that? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like the salesman, yeah. like the true salesman. You yeah. sell it today, yeah. you figure out the how tomorrow. Yeah, right? yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I know no doubt that you will figure out the how. Uh, yeah. I think one of the things that's really cool um, – about your story is and, and about my first impressions of you meeting you several months, maybe a year ago um, is there's just a humility, right? So that nice. humility allows you to learn, you know, this, uh, uh, proud students don't make very good students. Mm. Right. So um, I think you'll learn e absolutely everything you nice. need to do. <laughs> and, uh, and you, and the other thing is you're a man of action. So once yeah. you know what to do, you're not just going to sit on it. So do it. we wish you very well. Tell Thank us, you. Tell us about Vine IT. Give mm -hmm. us a commercial. Um, you know, small businesses these days, their technology landscape has changed a lot mm -hmm. in 10 years. I think about when I started my business in 2005, we did all the traditional stuff. You know, we, we called an IT guy. He called Dell. He put a big expensive box in a separate room in our office, and we hooked all our phones, and our mm -hmm. we had cables going everywhere. And, you know, when the power would go out, it was like everything stopped today you know the power goes out you're like oh you know i'll go down the street to the starbucks and finish my afternoon off mm -hmm. so how is the how's vine it fit into the small business it landscape and, and what do you guys do that sets you apart or or should should help businesses distinguish you from the other mm -hmm. managed services providers or small business it companies out there yeah so we're, we're rapid response it for small business so so many small business owners uh and i was one remember i was a client of vine it before owning it i was like the hair club for men guy right so, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and by the way if you're younger than 35 or 32 you don't know that joke right, right. Right? So, so 
so I'll just have you Google it or uh, YouTube it. Um, so, so, um, so we're rapid response IT for small business. So small business is in such need and is, and is now being, becoming more aware of the need for IT support, but also for infrastructure security. So we're seeing, you know, we see all these big breaches, you know, go way back to the target. And now we're seeing, you know, pipelines and gas lines and we're seeing meat processing plants that, you know, that could, we're talking like potential famine stuff there. If we're, if they're, you know, there's some very dangerous high level uh, uh, ransomware attacks going on, but the lowest hanging fruit for the attackers, for the hackers is actually small business is SMB. So we're seeing them constantly coming at and attacking small business because small business is vulnerable. It's low hanging fruit. They don't have security. And we are the IT resource for small business for our clients. Um, essentially, we make business owners sleep well at night. That's really what that's really what we do. We're the we're the instead of down the hall IT department in the corporate facility, we're down the street where you know, we're outsourced and that that for small business, they they're challenged uh, financially, a lot of times, uh, they can't have a whole staff of IT in, 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 the, in the office. But with the outsource model, right, for us, which you understand, with the outsource model, we'll, it, model we're able to, uh, to manage the cost and keep the cost lower and share it. So we're their IT resource, man. I, being a, I'll tell you how I became a client. So we had a little scare on a data breach through some college they went through up in Pittsburgh or something. And, and, and uh, we had no IT company, nothing. And at the same time, I had so many clients coming to me, excuse me, so many employees coming to me, handing me their laptop. Listen, I am not an IT guy, nor will I ever be. And I'm like, <laughs> and so I saw that downtime equaled lost money and frustration. I was frustrated. And ultimately, I'm like, well, I'm in business to make money, not lose it. And this is losing me money. There has to be a resource. I had never heard of managed services. Um, so we started seeking out, and that's when we hired Vine. So. What, is, what are some of the things that you guys see at Vine, like a, a small business of, say, 10 to 20 employees? Mm -hmm. uh, what are what's some of the other low-hanging fruit mm -hmm. that you guys see? Like, oh, man, we need to change this, this, this. Mm -hmm. and, and these are the things maybe – Maybe you were losing occasional sleep, but if you would have known all this stuff, you yeah. wouldn't have been sleeping at all, but now you don't have to worry about it. It's all, mm -hmm. it's all under control. Yeah, so two things, uh, and I'll save the best for, or the easiest for last. One is uh, moving to a cloud-based platform. So a lot of, uh, there's a lot of infrastructure, uh, in-house infrastructure still, so meaning there's server closets. That's not a bad thing in some cases, um, you know, and they're, they're, doing, they're backing that up, you know, locally and, and in the cloud, and that's great, and you're fine. But we live in Florida, you know, and that's where the majority of our or all of our businesses in the state of Florida. And, and um, you know, we advise we are advising a lot of um, our businesses or we have been to move to cloud based platforms. Most of the, the CRMs or the, the software that they're using, the business management software that they're using are converting to that. It's funny. We see um, just recently a law firm, they're in house and they're like, well, there's a web-based model. There's a web-based uh, version of this, um, but we've had the server. We spent money on the server. Like we want to keep the local option here, and they're like, but we're really frustrated because their service is terrible. And da 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 da. And we go. The reason their service is terrible is because there's like two people that work on that version, right. and 150 people in their company that work on the cloud-based solution right. because you're ancient right now, <laughs> like, like go with them. Like, right. but people are afraid of change. So that's easy moving, moving, uh, their infrastructure to the cloud, um, which we can help with number two. And this is the easiest man. 
is to me, it's the easiest is, uh, enabling MFA or multi-factor authentication to, to FA, they call it too. Um, so what we see is, well, you know, basically what that is, is, is when you go to log into your system, you get a text to your phone or to a, to an app and you have to enter that just like at your bank or whatever. And, and then it lets you in. Um, you would not believe the amount of pushback we get from business owners and from people operating. It is amazing. They're like, this is so annoying. <laughs> like this is, and if you're logging in on the same computer on a regular basis, you don't have to do it every time. Right. right? But this is so annoying. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And this is, this is what I said in the 1950s. You probably didn't have to lock your front door at night. <laughs> right. Right. This is locking your front door at night. <laughs> There's a time when you started, had to start locking your front door at night. Yeah. And we are in that time right now. And it's so easy. It's the click of a button or installing a program. And um, yeah, easy, easy peasy, man. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you've been extraordinarily gracious with your time. Mm, Thanks, man. Uh, It's gone by really quick. Uh, Very easy interview. Cool. Uh, (laughs) So we really appreciate you coming in, making the trip. And uh, wish you well. how can people get a hold of you? What's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, vineit.com. That's the easiest. Okay. Go to vineit.com and um, you can schedule a consultation through there. You can contact okay. us direct. We make it super simple. So awesome. that's ease of use. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much, awesome. Mike. Appreciate Thank it. You. And we will see you guys. I should let you do this. You're supposed to be hosting the no, podcast. You're, <laughs> you're the pro. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next week. Thanks. All right, so uh, I have one thing that I'd like to follow up on. You, you mentioned the default week or the ideal week and something that you're, you've started working on. So tell us a little bit about that uh, for people who don't know and what you've learned through the process and what you're trying to, like what are you prioritizing in that default week mm-hmm. that maybe you weren't before? What are you trying to get to? Um, so, yeah, you know, let me start with the origin of this also is, is I realized that I was, um, I had had a coach my entire life, my whole life. I'd had a coach until I started the game of business. Right. And, and then I had, I sought out mentors and stuff, but I didn't have a coach and, and, um, and I was getting stuck. I was getting really stuck. I'm talking recently, like the last year, six months or so. And and my time management was just terrible. And I felt accountable to no one. And I'm not in, in, in an unhealthy way. Now, obviously I have accountability, but when it comes to my, like my daily, you know, my wife's not going, what are you doing? She goes, right. just go grow the business. I don't right. know, go work. Uh, my partner, the same. Like I just really, I, I was accountable to no one. So, um, and I actually prayed about it for a bit. And um, I had to, you know, anyways, long story short, I started working with a coach. Okay. And I told him this, I said, I need accountability and I need you to pull out of my head. I need you to help me focus on the right thing. Really focus is what I, what I was challenged with. And, um, th- one of the blaring things was my management of my time. I'm just like, I'm just not, I'm leaving so much on the table, which we talked about. I can't stand. Um, so, um, so that's the, fir- one of the first major things that we implemented was working on a default calendar. And the goal is to, um, to make sure life is in balance. Number one, I'm not giving, um, I don't want to say too much time to family, but I'm not, not always with family. It's summertime, so it's tough. Everyone's home. I want to be right. with them. But, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's di- difficult uh, or it's easy to become unbalanced sometimes with that. So balance, number one, productivity, and absolute focus, man. I, I am very challenged uh, with focusing, like very challenged. I have 
cool idea. You know, I need, I need a pathway. I need a, a place to take my ideas and place them somewhere else where I, I feel they're safe that I can come back to. I'm not going to forget them, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that really the focus and time management was it. So, um, so this idea of a default week or an ideal week is that you're going to set up certain blocks of time on certain days that, so like I, I do something very similar okay. where like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mm-hmm. are supposed to be for clients. So all my client meetings are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday tends to be an administrative day. We have our team meeting and then yep. coaching sessions with these guys. And then Fridays are content days like we're doing now and one-on-ones with mostly these two gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very helpful when Carrie and I set that up because she does most of the booking on my calendar and she knew like, Clients don't get Mondays and Fridays, you know, and they also, you know, just trying to, you know, if, the, if, if I'm already in, if I've got a, a breakfast meeting and I got a lunch meeting on a Wednesday and there's a wide open Thursday afternoon, the next client goes slap in the middle mm. on a Wednesday morning, right? Try to, you know, keep those chunks together. Um, so is that similar to what you're trying to yeah, do? Yeah, it is similar. And I'll give it, a, let me add on another example. So I eat lunch out almost every day, five days a week. I, I eat lunch out. I, I use it for, um, for connecting with influencers, co- connecting with clients, connecting with my business partner, or just downtime, you know, listen to a podcast or something, Axiom Podcast. That and, nice. Yep. And, and, uh, and um, I, please subscribe. So, and, and, and I, I, but, but so as an example, what I started, I started to see that I was not having product. One of the things that it revealed is I was not having productive, somewhat productive. I wasn't maximizing the productivity of my lunches. So what I did, and I start simple. I started with one Wednesdays. I call it a working lunch, but, and I see it down there and I, it forces me to schedule to go, who do I need to, 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 and it's specific. This working lunch is for business development, the growth of Vine IT, right? Um, so, so, um, I would look at it and go, okay, who do, it forces me that I, I need four, I got to get four lunches on the books this week. Does it always land on Wednesday because of the other person? The answer is no, right. but because it's on there, it forces me to, and I can kind of, you know, it's a little malleable and flexible. So it's, that's exactly the intention. And so how have you go back now? You've got the default week. Now you have to, to get yourself to focus during a certain block of time to stay in that task, which there's a whole movement right now in time and task management that is kind of, um, it's almost, uh, it's a huge pushback against what like David Allen's getting things done and the whole idea of prioritized task list. And there's like this whole movement saying that isn't, that doesn't work. Mm. The better way to do it is like what you're saying, mm. rather than say, I'm going to get these things done today, say, this is where I'm going to focus my time today and I'm going to stay incredibly and 100% focused on this task for the amount of time that I say I'm going to spend on it. So if it's business development, you know, you're going to spend, you're going to be totally focused on business development. And that might mean, uh, and the theory goes that if that's the way you approach it, you'll probably knock six or seven business development tasks off your list Mm -hmm. as opposed to the three or four that you would have, knocked off your list if you just said, I'm going to get these three things mm. done during this time. So it's, you know, it's yeah. kind of like six and one half dozen yeah. together, but it's kind of a mind trick you play. Yeah. What are you finding is helping you keep focused during the times you say, These are, this is what I'm working on? Yeah. Well, so for starters, I'm like a weekend so of running a default calendar. Okay. okay. <laughs> so this is a, so <laughs> early so, days. Yeah. 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 I actually had a coaching session yesterday and I was like, all right, man, I'm like, that was a, an awesome week. I came off of of, of, of vacation too, which is tough sometimes to ramp back up. 
um, um, but but I mean the the what I enjoy first of all I enjoy the freedom of my time that's my number one benefit to being a business owner for me that's my biggest motivator is being able to manage my own time and and be with people I want to be with I control that so uh, but looking at uh, the different things that I do um, and everyone's probably this way I don't know I'm only me I've only been me so I, my perspective is me and I see I'm doing open mic I'm I'm right. I'm doing open mic, which inside of open mic is a whole bunch of different things. Um, currently, uh, I'm as a CEO, it's a small business. So I'm in charge of the finances. I'm currently in charge of the growth of the business, you know, the business development. I'm also a chief culture officer. You know, I'm wearing the different hats like every small business owner does. And, and, um, and then on top of that, I have family and I also have extended family. My parents are in their sixties. Now they rely on us for a lot of stuff. My in-laws, you know, there's a lot which everybody has. So for, for me, um, the biggest benefit has been like um, just a good night's rest, knowing that every responsibility is at least scheduled, right? Is at least scheduled. I'm going to focus on it. Um, um, that, that's a huge benefit. There's also a real, real good feeling. Like if, if you accomplish, if you, it's kind of jack of all trades, master of none concept. Like if I, I'm not kidding you, I've gone through a work day and looked back and been busy and exhausted and looked back and said, I don't know what I did. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know what I accomplished in last week. Like I was saying, or the, uh, uh, this past week actually, um, was the, I mean, first time in a while where I've gone an entire week and said, not just a day, but a week and been like, I know exactly what I did and I know how much time I spent on it. Like it was, it was productive, you know, just a beautiful feeling. That is a good feeling. Yeah. I've, I've driven home many days, <laughs> uh, you know, I usually get to like the first red light, and I'm like, "This was a total waste of eight <laughs> hours." <laughs> yeah. it's frustrating. I'm, I'm, it is, and things got done, but not the right things got yeah, done, right? Yeah, and, priorities. Yeah. And the the problem is that the things that should have gotten done still have to get done. Yeah. Right. And for me, going home with that, and my wife can recognize it as soon as I walk in the door. You know that I'm bringing all that crap that I didn't home. get done home, mm. and it's kind of just a depressing spot because yeah. I'm not going to do it that night. But the burden of not having it done yeah. is affecting family time. So yeah. that's a big motivation for me to kind of try to stay focused. But yeah. I'm as distractible as, as anybody. Yeah. You know, it just It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to just go head down. And especially, I mean, there's still stuff. It, it, you do get the luxury in some ways when you run a business of, of hiring people to do all the things you don't want to do. Right. Right. To a point. I mean, yeah, it gets expensive. Point. If there's yeah. a lot of things you don't want to do, that's a very expensive way yeah. to run a business. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But there's, yeah. there's always going to be some stuff that you still, you have to do. Yeah. It's not fun. And that's where I struggle to really get my head in yeah. the game and stay there for an hour or two hours or whatever. Me too. Yeah. Me too. What else did you guys hear that you want to talk about? Circle back to. No, well, selfishly, I mean, I'm so just hearing you talk about going back to communication and going back to your focus and your emphasis on people is I'm just curious how that played out in internal conflict in the company and how, how important or how unimportant is focusing on the people in terms of resolving conflict or at least easing the tension during conflict. Mm. And I say selfishly because literally just recorded a video we, le weekly leadership video on it yesterday and just 
kind of the, the thing that I emphasize in that video is if you're going to ease tension during conflict, like there's a lot of tips and tricks and that you can do. But one of the most important things is we, we often forget about is our, our primary existence for reason for being. And in your business, if you can get people to utilize that tool and say, look, regardless of whatever the central problem is on the table, you and I, we're here for this purpose, not, not for, you know, to, to argue and, and fight about this little, this little problem here. It is, it is such a great tool, massive tool to leverage in order to ease the tensions during mm -hmm. that conflict. Just to get your ideas on, did you see that play out at all in your business? Did you, did you find conflicts were resolved easier when you did look at it from, you know, the same side of the table as opposed to seeing the other person or the, uh, you know, as, as part of the issue? Yeah, I mean, I don't like conflict. I don't know if anybody does. It seems like some people, I don't know, New York or New Jersey, they like fighting, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't like conflict. And my, um, nor does my father, nor does my dad. Like, he's not, he's, he's one that he, he responds. He, I think I get this from him. When it when it when when stuff hits the fan, he'll be the first one there. Like he's there, he's on. Let's go. Put me, give me the ball. Mm -hmm. um, but all the the little micro stuff leading up to a little conflict leading up to it, don't want anything to do with. At Fieldstone, this is where I would. We don't. We haven't had a lot of conflict at um, at Vine yet. I say yet because there's people there, right? And I'm there. So, um, so, <laughs> but at, at Fieldstone, we had some massive we had some really bad cultural issues in reference and, and it was derived from unhealthy conflict. I mean, we really did. I, I'm being totally honest, open doors here. Um, and it was because of the, in my, it was the immaturity of my leadership. I think, you know, I, I'd never done it before. Um, but w what I learned, like when I've been talking about listening and I've been active listening and, and, and asking questions and pausing and waiting to, to, to answer, but also being patient with the person's first response. Um, all those little tidbits are what I learned from that conflict. For, and that was a very uncomfortable space for me. Um, um, you know, how about the conflict of firing someone? I'd never fired someone, let alone hired someone. I'd never fired someone in my life. And um, somehow, I know how. It was because I was willing to. But somehow I was... I was the one that fired all the leadership, you know, it was just my role that was, and through that, I got to fail a lot. I, I don't think anyone got disrespected, but they definitely got confused sometimes. I'm like, wait, are you firing me? Or like, <laughs> so, that, so, then, so then I got, I got really direct and, and that was almost, uh, um, you know, it was almost bad. Um, but I, you know, I would, I, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's in reference to the conflict and the, and the resolution, and how, you know, applying all those principles now that I learned back then, um, I look forward to uh, because I know it'll be not because um, I don't look forward to the conflict, but I look forward to the healthy resolution and the way that we actually deal with it. Um, yeah. Conflict is fun. No, <laughs> it's good, but it's inevitable, right? Yeah. We talked, uh, we talked about, we, we kind of talked around it. Let's talk directly about it. Um, you're a Christian. You believe I am. Jesus came and died for you and saved you and redeemed you. And mm -hmm. that plays a big part in your life 
nothing and no part of your life is walled off from that, mm-hmm. including your business. So where, how does your faith show up in your business? And what would you say to other business owners who might be, um, you know, struggling with like uh, we've talked to before about sometimes all it takes is just giving people permission to make their faith an explicit part of their business. Mm-hmm. It is, it's countercultural, yeah. right? And if you're not around other Christian business owners, um, if you don't if you don't have opportunities to see what that looks like alongside other business mm-hmm. owners, you just don't know until somebody says, "Hey, like you could pray before meetings, or you could do a Bible mm-hmm. study." You could do. So, what what's your been your experience both at Fieldstone and and at Vine with bringing your faith into the business, and what what has been the response to that? I, you know, my my let me say this: I I became a Christian. I started following Jesus when I got married. Right before we got married, um, a friend shared the gospel with us through our, we were supposed to be marriage counseling and it was sharing the gospel with us. And then it became marriage. It's kind of the best kind of marriage counseling. Beautiful. It's awesome. (laughs) awesome. So my wife and I's journey is alongside each other. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we, we got baptized. She's, she's, she's two minutes ahead of me, you know? (laughs) And, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, so the early phases of Fieldstone, I mean, I was still, my faith was growing, you know, and understanding that. And now I, I'm just under the impression I can continue to seek God and fail at that, but seek God. And I'm under the impression, like, I, if you're going to, if you're allowed to not be a Christian, then I'm allowed to be a Christian in the world of business, right? Meaning I'm going to, li- we've been talking about listening, right? I'm going to listen to you. Um, why wouldn't you listen to me? Mm-hmm. Right. So I just asked you because I want to hear your perspective on something. You know, let's not assume that, you know, what I'm going to say if I start down the path. Um, you know, I also know that people aren't listening when, if if they don't ask. Right. Um, or if they're not listened to first. So so I don't I don't I don't preach without the audience wanting to be there. Right. You right, know, right. I guess, if you will. Um, my friend said, uh, Kyle, actually, Clement, Kyle said that he always says uh always be preaching and sometimes use words okay. you know and and i think just the way we treat people in our, in our business i don't we don't like for instance i guess it's we're not traditionally like we don't have prayers before meetings i do with my coach because he's a christian mm-hmm. you know um um you know my business partner nate believes in god but he's not a follower of christ and i know you wouldn't mind me sharing this is him and i've had the best healthiest conversations about god and about the bible and um, and he would even tell me we were talking about abortion once, and he and we he finished his thought his whole thought very intelligent guy. I respect him so much, and and he goes, man, no one's ever actually listened to my whole theory and my whole concept without interrupting me or fighting back or whatever. And I'm like, well, I, I you know I know it's cliche, but what would Jesus do, right? right. You know, like I'm going to listen to you first, man. And if you want to hear what I have to say, or I'm going to show you. Um, um, but man, my faith is at the forefront of everything. Like I said, God, family. Yeah. Now it's not field time. God, family, work or whatever. But well, yeah, I think there's too much emphasis put on the. I I like what Kyle said. I think the reason that what Kyle says, um, you know, strikes people, is because many many people's view of faith and business is preaching. You mm-hmm. know, like not nothing against tracks in the lobby. Nothing against yeah. you know prayers before meetings we do those things we do prayers before meetings but um when i think about a, a christian business owner or a christian leadership team member in a business um 
the first thoughts that should come to mind are a person, one who loves God and who loves their neighbor as themselves. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, their love for God may not impact me as one of their direct reports or as an employee of that business, but them loving their neighbor as themselves, basically them treating me the way that they would be treated. Um, you think about the other things that we're called to uh, as followers of Christ to be self-sacrificing, to put others' needs ahead of our own, yeah. um, to prioritize our families and our marriages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, just talk about something like marriage, like a, a business owner, a, a Christian business owner who's committed to their spouse uh, if you want to talk about something that's countercultural, yeah. <laughs> you know how many young people would love to go to work somewhere every day where yeah. their boss didn't talk terrible <laughs> about their husband or wife yeah. Yeah. Uh, who refused to disparage them who did prioritize family who asked about their marriage and and said hey like it's it's 6 30 this is the third time you, this week you need to get out of here and right. go spend some time with your right. your wife or your husband um but I think we don't, uh, you know, th- th- those are things that you're committed to as a follower of Christ that you don't get any, um, you don't get any biblical brownie points right. <laughs> you know, from right. the Christian business owners no, right. club, you know, for doing those things. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think that's what, uh, I think the only difference between a good person doing those things and a Christian doing those things is that the Christian's not afraid to listen and share like right. why they do those things right just yeah. in a transparent way that's cool you were you talked about the family i mean I, I, when i said you asked about staying late and all that stuff and and uh, not that i don't ever but my wife is my we are responsible for each other i am commanded to be responsible for her in many ways physically emotionally spiritually i'm not commanded i'm commanded to operate my business in the way i treat people a certain way but god doesn't say make sure you go grow a business. Right. No, <laughs> right. but he does say, if you have a wife, this is how you should treat her. Yeah. You know, she should be a priority. So to me, that's when I say there's the priorities. My business is a priority because uh, I believe it's God given and it's a, well, it's an opportunity producer, but, but it doesn't come in front of her, you know, or my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So my last question for you. I'm nervous. Right here. It's a big one. <laughs> Hopefully it's a softball that you just mm. hit out of the park. You, um, you mentioned rich dad, poor dad, and just the impact that had on you in that time in your life. What other books and, and all the Bible, what, what other mm. books along with the Bible have had that kind of impact on you? Yeah. You stole my answer. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, actually let me say though, when I was, when I first, when I first started following Christ, I, we, I remember cutting grass, coming home and falling asleep on my Bible. But I was, I wasn't reading the gospels. I was reading Proverbs. I never read it before. I grew up in the church, never didn't really know what it was. It blew my mind. I was like, I have this mentor now. (laughs) Right. And I read it over and over and over. I'd read one through 31. Right. And over and over and over and over. And, uh, for probably it seemed like three years, probably a year. Like I was, I was just reading and reading and reading, and it was it was so impactful. It ingrained a lot of stuff in me early, which is really cool. Another one that was <clears throat> that was very early on that was good was uh, influenced my wife and I's actions. Was the Millionaire Next Door? Have you guys read that? Yep. Yeah, it's it's more. Uh, they actually did research. It's two guys research. I think over like seven years or something, but. Um, it's a must read in our family. I plan on paying the kids, incentivizing them to read a couple, uh, a couple of books, but it, it, 
uh, it basically goes through and they interviewed a whole bunch of people who are uh, millionaires, you know, not air quotes, but like real millionaires, not Instagram millionaires, real man. <laughs> and, and it said like, what, what's the average watch? What's the average vehicle, the average home? How old is, how long they've been in the home? Where did they grow their business? And, and, and it was very revealing. Uh, and it, it set my wife and I on a path. We started with $0. Um, and, and it started us on a path to be, um, to, to, we wanted to be the millionaire next door. And I think if you line that up, we talked about faith and you line that up. If you look at it, it's, it's, it's not flashy. My wife said to me this morning, we live in a 990 square foot townhome. We bought it 60, uh, December 10th, 2004. I don't remember anything, but a couple things. <laughs> I remember <laughs> it. So we've been there, what, 16 years, right? Uh, it's the first home we bought. We have four people. We have a 10 year old and a seven year old girl. And people are like, why, why you know, why do you, why, like, when are you going to, oh, I mean, when I had my daughter, when we were pregnant, oh, you got to get a new place, right? We're like, what are you talking about? She's this big. Yeah, it turns, <laughs> turns out, <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? Turns out with her stuff, she is bigger, like, with her other things. But they move around. Yeah, right? yeah, she's yeah. little. And, and, uh, but she, but, um, so, and we, we stay there because the mortgage is paid. My tax bill, I'm so proud of this. So my tax bill I have, is, was, um, uh, my wife knows it. it was like $127 last year dollars, not like 127. Like every friend I have is five grand or more, I think. Right. And, and it's because it's because of a couple of things because of that book, like leading us down a path of like, okay, we can, we can live for us and not for others. And we will actually be behind the scenes, the, the millionaires, whether it's actual dollars or whether it's, you know, intrinsic. Um, um, and, um, my wife said to me this morning, this is what it started. We were talking about moving. We've been ready to move every two years or four in two years every for the last 10 years. Right. So we've been like, we're leaving in two years. Okay. And, uh, and we were talking about, you know, moving, we've been praying about it a lot lately. And she said to me, she goes, I just want to make sure we don't move somewhere that makes us unapproachable. Like, that's it. She goes, I want, we want to, she said, I want to glorify God in our house. I want people that want to come to us. I don't want to go now to some fancy home and someone goes, cause now we're approachable, you know? It's, I mean, we have no landscaping. It's a dump. No, <laughs> I just kidding. No, it's nice. It's home. I love it. I love it. So, so millionaire next door was a great one. Yeah, Proverbs millionaire next door. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember reading that book for the first time and like the, like the median value of the home was like a hundred and $30,000 yes. or something. Yep. Yeah. How long ago was it written? 20 years ago. Probably. Yeah, it was probably 20 years. Yeah. What yeah, was, what, where did they do the research at? Do you remember? Mm -mm. All over the country. Yeah, all, all over, yeah. I think. And yeah, or, or to that point, I know that was back then, but ours is about 125 right now. Like it's a little. So there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I made it. Uh, I, I will say too, I read one recently. Man, I really, I really enjoyed the psychology of money. Um, huh. I, 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 the reason, the emphasis on money, nobody taught me about money. So my wife either. So we had to learn on our own. So we learned together. We're like, let's go, let's do it. You ever read the treasure principle? No. Yeah, read that. I'll okay. give it to you. Please I do. Got a copy. That would be Incredible. great. That'd be great. All right. Anything else? No, I was, I was resonating with your, the, the mindset that millionaire next door taught you just with not, not living for other people. Yeah. Right. And that's so that sounds in 
in Christian circles, like when you're talking with other believers, you're like, that is not the gospel. Like we're supposed to be living for oh, people, yeah, right? Yeah. But I get what the mindset is, is not living in a way that we're trying to please other people or other people yeah. and make them yeah. look at us and go, oh, you know, dote over us, right? Yeah. yeah. And my brother-in-law, and it, it, this is a lesson I'm learning right now, is my brother-in-law came to me. He's, he's from Peru. And he remembers his dad. Now his dad is in my head. And <laughs> he when he was younger, he was getting ready to go on the bus and go off to college. And his dad looked at him and he, he saw this homeless person across the side of the street. And his dad looked at him and said he, he was going to walk around the bus and give him a dollar. Well, his dad, now take this as, as you will, his dad was also poor, you know, grew up a poor man, went around the bus, took the dollar from the man that his son just gave to him. And he gave it back to my brother-in-law and said, you are poor. What are you doing? Don't like <laughs> you're giving him your debt. You're in debt. Like you're getting ready to go to college. You don't have any money. And his point was like now my brother-in-law is not he's, he's very generous, super generous. They have parties at their house all the time. It's awesome. Probably because he's Peruvian. Yeah, Peruvian. But yeah. also because <laughs> cool. he's so, like he just believes the Lord gives and the Lord provides. Yeah. And for him, it has, it's that mindset of I'm poor. Not just so that I like, not because I, I want to be stingy with my money, but so that I can be generous. Yeah. And that idea of the millionaire next door just is like, look, I'm not going to live for other people because if I live for other people, I'm never going to have anything to give to right. them. Right. They're, they're just going to take it all. Yeah. But if, yeah. So I, I just thought that was a really, that's awesome. Really cool idea. It's awesome. All right, man. Thanks again. It's been fun. Thank it you has. very much. It's been great. It's, it's been awesome. Been a lot.